Hello everyone, this is episode number 145 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is May 23rd, 2020. I'm Robert Ring, and with me is the wonderful Mr. Jay Totoro. Afternoon, sir. Or actually, good evening. Holy shit. It's almost 8 o'clock. I realize, and I think I do this often, I pause right between the hello and this is episode blank because I can't ever remember whether I say this is episode or welcome to episode 145. So it takes whatever me, you want. Takes me don't a split. copy your old self. No, okay. well, okay, no, I'm not, I don't care what I have said, but I got to figure out what I want to say right then. I see, I see. Um, and I think, but I think I do that pause a lot. But anyway, uh, I, I hope it doesn't ruin the podcast too badly for anybody. You ruined my immersion. Well, I'm going to have to, uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't have a really good, come really good response for that but okay i do have two things um one is that game of the quarter is next episode jay why don't you tell us about what the game of the quarter is sure beautiful joe uh, we are playing it on playstation one well, i'm playing on playstation one off an emulator i'm doing the gamecube version oh interesting is it better i actually have a pretty good gamecube emulator i think it's pretty um, much the same i don't know i but i okay. i have it on gamecube so that's why i'm doing that one Gotcha. Actually, it's probably better if we both have two different consoles or two different uh, systems for it to see if, if we can talk about any differences. Sometimes there's some subtle stuff. Yeah, yeah. Kind of interesting to see. Yeah, a lot. Of, yeah, sometimes. Or is it no, PlayStation no. One or PlayStation Two? Yeah, that would have been two. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Um. So yeah, we've got that. So new new listeners, which we may have some this time because of my next piece of news. Um, Ooh. new listeners, game of the quarter is where we we do this obviously four times a year and it's where uh jay it's it's one of the few times during the year that jay and i play the same game and also our listeners are uh we ask you guys you, you we invite you guys to also play the same game and write in your thoughts so if you want to play beautiful joe and write in uh, your thoughts about that for the next episode which will be in roughly two and a half or three weeks um please feel free to do so mail at classicgamingpodcast.com Again, we'll both be playing it and talking about it, and we'll be reading emails about it as well. Hopefully, uh, some of you guys get a chance to play that and sort of take part in the game of the quarter. Uh, also, what I was alluding to just a second ago is that I was recently on the podcast of a friend of ours. That is uh, the Drunk Friend Podcast. This podcast is started by uh, Alex, who's also known as SNES Drunk. Pretty much all of our listeners, probably a hundred percent of our listeners, have heard of him. If not for just finding him on the on their own, then from hearing him on our podcast, or hearing him first and then hearing about this podcast from when I was on there and then coming to check Ooh. us out. Which, if that's you, thank you very much for coming. Um, so anyway, I was on the Drunk Friend po- podcast, which is is a podcast by Alex, which by by Sness Drunk and Ness Friend Travis. Um, Travis was not. On that particular episode, he had something going on and he wasn't able to do it. So this one was just Alex and I, uh, drunk friend on that podcast. They, inter- they basically just interview people from various other video game related podcasts or YouTube channels or whatever it may be. Usually it's, usually it's, you know, retro gaming themed stuff that they, that they take people from. So, uh, I believe it was their eighth episode. It, it's a pretty young podcast. It's when he started, um, they, they do it weekly. So he started it. For at this point, it's been about 10 weeks, I guess. Uh, but it was, the, I believe it was the eighth episode that I was on. And we had a ton of fun. It's not as long as ours, so that's probably good news for most of you. Uh, I think we went about an hour and a half or a little bit under that. 
Anyway, well, that sounds was, realistic. <laughs> it sounds realistic. He was like, "All right, it's time about time to wrap it up." I was like, "What?" <laughs> um, like, so, I have so many more things to say. <laughs> yeah, I got so much more to say. So anyway, we had a ton of fun. It was really a fun time uh, talking to him on that one. So if uh, if you haven't listened to his podcast, feel free to well, please do go check go check it out. Listen to our episode, my episode, as well as all all of the other ones because they do a really good job over there. Both of both Alex and Travis do. So uh, thank you, thanks to them for having me on. It was like I said, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Jay, everything been going good with you before we get into uh, actual gaming news junk? Nothing too crazy. Just uh, really busy with work and just kind of enjoying the time being uh, being able to work from home. At least in our account to talk about this week is how much of a time save it's been just not having to travel back and forth from work. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like the amount, at least I brought up a good point too, it's like the amount of time you take to get ready plus the amount of time you have to travel back and forth is kind of crazy to think about. It's just, yeah. I mean, I still get, re- I get, I do have a very similar structure in the morning to, to what I did previously. Um, obviously with, without the actual driving aspect for a long time, I was wearing like regular work clothes and now I'm just wearing like, um, a collared shirt and then just like shorts cause it's so hot here now. Oh, is it, it's is it getting a, hot? Oh yeah. I guess right oh, yeah, now it, is about when it starts to get hot, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's not been as crazy as I expected it to be. We're in like the nineties, which sounds crazy, but it's really not that bad yet. Like we, Lisa yeah. and I were swimming yesterday and we were kind of cold because it was only 92 or 93 degrees uh-huh. in the sun. So. Yeah, that's really not too bad for Arizona. I mean, here it's yeah, been this time of year. upper 80s in the past few days. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, 90s, especially for you yeah. guys, that's definitely doable. We'll see it spike back up. Air conditioner's oh, yeah. getting destroyed from all the all the exercise. But, yeah, ho- hopefully it's not a crazy hot summer. I'd love to have just a really chill summer, especially with everybody being at home. Yeah, do you, do you all have to have extra good coolers on your computers? No, actually. No, it doesn't really matter just because it's inside? Yeah, I mean, generally, no, I, don't, I haven't had to do anything special. Um, I usually just clean it as much as I can during okay. this time. Okay. Yeah. The big, big thing for us here in All Seriousness is cleaning your um, your filters for your air conditioner. Makes such a difference Oh, sure, here. sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, nice. Let's talk about news things that have been happening. Um, there have been, we got a good number of them this time. So uh, let's just start it from the top here. Uh, what should be the top one, actually? The last one. The last one. Okay, last one is uh, System Shock 3 uh, has been bought by Tencent. Tencent is a Chinese-based company that owns a portion of Riot, right? Yes. Um, because that... So I forgot the name of the company. I should have had it pulled up. That's That's making, or that was making System Shock 3... But things started to kind of go bad with them uh, financially, and everyone was kind of worried about whether the System Shock Three, uh, this, whether System Shock Three was actually going to end up coming out because of that. But Tencent came in and, and bought it, so uh, um, so that happened, and it sh- that should mean that it's pretty safe now. So anybody who is very interested in System Shock Three is probably a little bit relieved at this moment. Um, Do they say any details if that would affect the release date at all? I didn't see. I'm not sure. I'm not sure okay. what the release date was originally. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure about that. And obviously everything's delayed right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything's delayed right now. Uh, Check's Quest. So Check's Quest is a PC game that came out 
gosh, I guess early nineties probably. Or actually, I take it back. It might have been. I think it was like late nineties or maybe even early two thousands. Okay, it was nineteen ninety six. I'm sorry, nineteen ninety six. A game called Chex Quest came out. It's it's a video game. Uh, for it's like an ad type game for Chex cereal, and it's just a Doom clone where you are going around uh, shooting aliens. And, and to make it nonviolent, when you shoot them, you're shooting them with some device, that I think, that is supposed to like transport them back to their planet or something like that. Um, and it's actually... The, the funny thing about Chex Quest is there, there's, a, there's a really good Angry Video Game Nerd episode on this game, so you should check it out. But the funny thing about Chex Quest is it's actually not really... It's not a bad game. It's actually kind of good. So uh, it's kind of it kind of has a small like very small very cult cult following, and I think they even made two sequels. But now there has been an HD remake slash remaster of it that just came out for free and is on Steam. So <laughs> if you want to check out Chex Quest, or if you're a Chex Quest fan already, the newest one is out on Steam, and as I said, it's it's free. So. Go, go imagine being the imagine being the guy who developed that in a week for for marketing. <laughs> yeah. What is, the, what is the proudest project you've ever worked on? Well, I'm glad you asked. Chex Quest. <laughs> Next one, Tony Hawk One and Two remake slash remasters have been announced. This is for uh, PS4, Xbox One, and PC, not Switch apparently, and it's coming out September fourth. So I, I've checked out some of the screenshots and videos, and uh, it looks really good. I don't, it's, I mean, everything looks great about it. I don't know if it's enough to make me say, well, I got to buy that one instead of like go back and play the original whenever I get around to doing that. Cause I think, cause I did want to do that this year, but um, it looks solid. So if you're a fan of those games, I think it's definitely worth checking out. You liked the Tony, the Tony Hawk games, didn't you? Yeah, they're actually it's a pretty solid franchise. They had oh uh, yeah, it's really good. They had some they're very consistent in actual in actuality for the most. I mean, there are obviously ones that are better than others. It's kind of like I look at the same like I kind of look like Soul Calibur. Like Soul Calibur is you, you know what you're getting with Soul Calibur, and it's pretty damn fun across the board. But there are certain versions of uh, Tony Hawk that are just above the rest by a little bit, or by quite a bit. I would even say. I think it was the second and the third one that were generally considered the best. Um... Uh, my understanding was like three and underground, I think, were the two that I read were most well-received. But I could oh, be wrong. okay, okay. Yeah. I think the first one was kind of just okay. Totally. Um, I don't remember, I don't really remember the fourth one. And I think there have been a couple more recent ones that were kind of trash. But uh, anyway, yeah, around those, that Doesn't middle was when they were, was when they were super good. Yeah, three is the one. I, I, I put hundreds of hours into three. Oh, man, yeah, those are so fun. Billy Mitchell, the Donkey Kong oh, guy. No. <laughs> King of Kong. Uh, yeah, nice. Um, ArsTechnica.com uh, discovered that. So he said that he was going to sue Twin Galaxies. Based I understood on, he's suing a lot of people. Okay, prob- maybe so. For, for, for defamation or, or stating. Yeah, defamation. yeah, for defamation because they said he cheated of course and um well that they confirmed he cheated but yeah well yes they confirmed he cheated but he, he's suing them for you know he's saying yeah. you know from his False viewpoint claims, right, right, right. Yeah. um and it, so ars technica discovered that he is actually he actually filed the lawsuit against them back in uh, april of 2019 so it's actually been going on for a while 
and it's potentially going to be uh, heading to court this July. So a uh, little Oof. update on that front. And also Imagine being a lawyer for that. <laughs> they also misspelled they misspelled galaxies in the lawsuit. <laughs> Or they, or they say, or they want to bring it against uh, Twin Galaxies. They uh, misspelled that, so that's uh, fine. Sue, Sue, Twin Galaxies spelled wrong. Nobody cares. <laughs> um, EA added multiplayer back to the original Star Wars Battlefront 2004 version on Steam. So that game has been on Steam for a while, but it didn't have uh, multiplayer unless you hooked up to private servers or thing like GameSpy. When that was GameSpy, isn't a, still a thing, is it? I believe Game Ranger and GameSpy went out of business within the last five years. Okay. Because I tried to use them for something recently, and I couldn't find working versions of them. Okay. Um, so anyway, yeah, you could, like, if you worked at it hard enough, you could get into certain, you could, you could get multiplayer working, but they've actually added it back on to the, to, the, to the game, actually supported by the game itself now. So... How much uh, you have to pay? You can pay... Uh, Ten bucks... Is how much it costs. It was on it was on sale for half off when when this happened. So it was five bucks. So not bad at all. A lot of people really liked that game. I I had not played it back in the day. So um I don't, for some reason I missed that one. But anyway, they did that. So that's really cool if if you're a fan of that game. A uh, new Paper Mario game announced. You, you, I'm sure you heard about this yeah. one. Did it's, this friggin' caught everybody by surprise? Yeah, it's very surprising, and it's coming out on July seventeenth, no less. Um, Paper Mario: The Origami King. It looks really good. Any thoughts it on? Does. Any thoughts? It, it's on very. It? Hi- I mean, in all seriousness, the video is hype. I mean, it's it's funny because it's not a title you think you can get hyped about very easily, but it looks really good. It, it looks like they're doing the same thing they've always done, but obviously the art style is very cool. Like the animations are really smooth. Plus, it's it's on a newer system, so. I'm curious to see what they do with it. Yeah, it looks really killer. Definitely excited for it. Uh-huh. Um, Earthbound is getting an official uh, manga anthology. This was, a, this, was, this was an interesting bit of news, uh, and I got this from... I didn't see this reported anywhere else, and I think it's because they really... It's, everything they're doing is only in Japan, so don't get too excited, first off. Uh, Nintendo Enthusiast is where I got this news from. Uh, so the Mother slash Earthbound series, apparently, and this is something that I didn't know also, they had already announced that they're releasing a script book for the games. It's coming out, I think it's supposed to come out around the end of this year. And there's a official comic tribute collection called Pollyanna, which um, is going to have various comics written by different comic writers and, and, and comic artists, just kind of like a little anthology of little of earthbound comics. Sounds pretty awesome. Also. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It'll fe- it features contri- contributions from 35 different manga artists and other creators. Pollyanna. This is again from Nintendo enthusiast.com. Pollyanna will also include illustrations, gags, and stickers. Um, it will cover characters and events from all three mother games and uh, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. So, that's, I mean, even though it doesn't seem to be anything that's going to be coming to the States, it's pretty cool that they're, that they're doing all that. It at least shows that they're, that they're still interested enough in kind of keeping the series alive in some way. That it kind of gives you hope that maybe we'll get Mother 3, a localized version someday, possibly. You think it'll yeah, ever happen? Yeah, I would imagine it's kind of based on the, the reception of it. It could definitely maybe um, encourage that idea. Yeah. 
Um, Thimbleweed Park. If you remember, that is the point-and-click adventure game made by Ron Gilbert, who's uh, most famous for Monkey Island One and Two, but he's done he's done a lot of other stuff as well. They did the uh, they his most recent game was a Kickstarter game called Thimbleweed Park, just right along those same uh, lines. It's an it's an adventure game, just like just like the old school ones, and uh, that one came out two or three years ago. They just released a free Thimbleweed Park, kind of like. Kind of like a, um, just like a little side story game. They're calling it a free Thimbleweed Park mini adventure. It's called Dolores. That's the name of the main character of the game. So that's really cool. If you are an adventure game fan or if you like Thimbleweed Park in particular, uh, Dolores is totally free. Uh, he, he wrote a quick little blog post about it, and I'll, I'll just read it real quick. He says, as I write this, this is again from Ron Gilbert. He says, as I write this on the 9th of May in the year of 2020, the pandemic is far from over. Different people deal with isolation, fear, social distancing, and, ho- and hoarding toilet paper differently. I built a game. It helped keep me sane. As I mentioned back in March, I began rewriting the Thimbleweed Park engine with no real goal in mind. It just seemed like something to do, and I had a few ideas about UI that I wanted to explore. What began as a way to waste time turned into a fun little game prototype. A little over a month ago, David Fox came on. He's he was one of the guys who one of the people who helped on Thimbleweed Park as well. Then a few then a few other I think artists uh, jumped in to help. The game was built almost entirely from existing art, sounds, and music from Thimbleweed Park. More of a remixing into a new game that can be seen as an as an addendum to Thimbleweed Park. It is not a sequel. So that's pretty sweet. And it's also it also kind of. Makes you wonder if he's thinking about making another point-and-click adventure game because he said he wanted to play around with some UI ideas he had. So, uh, and this is kind of a it's prototype. Yeah, it is exciting to hear. So, hopefully, we'll see something else from uh, from 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 him and from from that team sometime. And then the last piece of news are the uh, is the announcement of the new or the release of the new Nintendo and Super Nintendo Switch Online games. Those are uh, Panel de Pan. That's a Japanese kind of Tetris-like game. Wild Guns, which I'm very excited about. I've never played it, but I've been wanting to. Operation Logic Bomb and Rygar. I always get a kick out of... Uh, <laughs> Rygar's NES... Um, and I think all the rest of these are super. Yeah, all the rest of these are Super Nintendo. Operation Logic Bomb. I always, I always get a kick out of that one, because um, SNES Drunk covered that on one of his videos one time, and he said the title sounds like a Neil deGrasse Tyson rap song. <laughs> That's awesome, actually. So uh, there. Oh, you know, actually, there is one more piece of news. Um, the TurboGrafx 16 Mini just came out yesterday. Um, I don't know if it was, I don't think it was originally supposed to come out this early or, or maybe they hadn't announced when it was supposed to come out or something like that. But, uh, it kind of caught me off guard. I've heard actually really good reviews about this and I went ahead and ordered one because, uh, it sounds like it's a really solid system. It's got, um, 15 TurboGrafx games. Some of them are from the Japanese version, so they're not localized, but you can still play them. And uh, but of course, plenty. You know, a lot of them are from are, are the localized uh, games that came out in the U.S. So that's out. If you're interested, a lot of people didn't play the Turbo Graphics. I actually did have one 
So I'm excited to kind of play, you know, I don't, I only remember, I really only remember three of the games that I had on it. And I probably never had more than like six or seven because it wasn't exactly a huge system, but I'm really excited to kind of go back and play some of those and then see what else the system had. So I think this will be fun to mess around with and talk about on the, on the podcast. Sure. And, uh, and that's it for news. So why don't we talk about video games? You want to, you want to take it from here, Jay? Sure. I'd be happy to. Uh, so I've been playing a game for Super Nintendo made by Konami came out in 1991 called Sunset Striders. Um, have, have you heard of this game before? Actually, Sunset I wanted to ask you. Striders? Sunset Riders. Sunset Riders? No. Yeah. Interesting. I, I had a feeling you had mentioned it before, but maybe not. Okay. Um, this game came out in 1991. Uh, this is made by Konami. Uh, it's a side-scrolling run-and-gun um, game that came out in it's uh it, it's it has a lot of there, there was a really interesting way i saw it um compared which was a combination oh man i'm really bumpy i've played this before because you would understand this a lot better and i'll explain it more too but uh one of the, the combinations they gave it which was i forget what the first part was but the second part was teenage mutant Ninja turtles and i was like interesting because that, that kind of drew my attention i was like how could you take you know teenage mutant Ninja turtles which is obviously a side-scrolling type game but making it to like a run and gun fashion and still be still be pretty fun um this game has certain elements that, that I definitely see that, that people are referencing or, or how they're comparing the two, but it's it's uh, missing some things that I would really kind of want it to have in order to, to meet that criteria. So as I kind of talked about, uh, this came out for Super Nintendo, and again, it's obviously side-scrolling, and, and essentially how it works is you, you pick one of four bounty hunters. Um, the idea of the game is there, I think there's eight levels in total, uh, and each level you're, you're, you are trying to pursue a bounty. Is it like uh, a cowboy bounty. game, I assume? Yeah, Western type game. Okay. Yeah, thank you for clarifying that, or thank you for asking that. Um, and you choose one of the four characters. Um, the characters' names are, are really weird. It's like um, the four characters, it's like Billy, Bob, oh, here we go. Uh, Billy Cool, Bob, Steve, and then the guy that I play the most, his name is Cormano. And the only reason <laughs> I picked him is he's got a poncho. Um, the, other guy's just, the other guys just like walk like total nerds, or they even run like total nerds. Uh, but they, and they, they are actually a little bit different. Um, at first, I was like, "Oh, why do you choose characters? Like, it, it doesn't matter." And by the way, this is a very arcade style game, so you can play uh, in the version I was playing. You can play with two people, and in some of the other versions, apparently, there are some of the arcade, uh, full arcade versions. You can actually play with up to four people, uh, which would be oh, insane fun. for this game. Yeah, I feel like you would die. I think you you would get each other's way too much. Oh, okay. Um, so each of the four characters, I didn't realize this at first, each of the four characters has a different type of weapon, and they do kind of different things. Um, I think of, like, you know, R-types, when you get, like, a weapon upgrade, and it's not just shooting forward, it's shooting, like, a V, like, off to the left, and then also directly in front of your ship. And, like, shoot them up? You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So some of the guns do have different mechanics. Like, like there's one of the, the guy that I've played, Cormano, he's supposedly using a rifle, but it looks like a shotgun to me, and it does, like, a spread shot that goes forward. Um, and then one of the characters has... Uh, like a like two pistols, he duels uh, pistols, and it shoots very quickly, but it's only in in one single direction. It's not it's not like a spread shot at all. And then one of the guys does have a shotgun, which it felt it felt very similar to the rifle. Like I I honestly didn't really think they were that different. But the idea is, so you you pick one of the four characters. They have these different weapon types, and then throughout the levels, there are certain bad guys you kill, and they'll drop weapon upgrades. And the weapon upgrades can be like making your your uh, ability basically automatic, and you can press and hold the button um, instead of having to tap it as you're running through. Oh, okay. And then the other one, I forgot what the other one does. I think it's it does. I think it adds more area um, to your your weapon type. 
Um, and then you can obviously get more of these, but when you die, um, you lose all your upgrades. So if you're, the levels aren't very long either. Like they're, they're probably between like three and five minutes at most. Like that, that would be very, very long actually. Okay. It's, it's probably closer to like three to four minutes realistically. So levels are very short. So essentially you start the, you start each level. Um, you basically are cleaning up bad guys with different types of weapons throughout it. Like there are bad guys that have guns. There are ones that try to run at you. And there's also ones that have dynamite and the ones that are, that have dynamite, they light it when they, when they spawn or when they come out at you. And when you kill them, they drop the dynamite. And if you step on it or if you get close to it, when it blows up, then you take a bunch of damage or you die. You don't take a bunch of damage. You just die. Um, you can pick it up and you can throw it at other bad guys, which is pretty cool. I usually just pick it up and throw it behind me. Cause I just don't want to risk walking into it. Uh, but essentially like every time you move into like, a new screen or you move a little bit over you know you get a new wave of enemies the enemies can come from anywhere um there's it's a western so there's like buildings and stuff so they come out of the buildings they come out from on top of it they come from off screen behind you forward you know etc etc um and the the key mechanic that in this game is you have the ability to shoot eight directions so you can jump and you can shoot one of eight directions which makes it pretty interesting the jump mechanic is very consistent so it makes it easier to dodge the projectiles that are being sent at you uh, because the, when the bad guys shoot at you, the, the projectiles are really slow. So it gives you time to dodge or avoid them. And when there's like lots of them going on, you're essentially trying to visually navigate how you're going to get through because they're, they're moving slow enough to where you can actually take a second and try to identify, do I need to duck, do I need to jump, or do I just need to stay where I am in order to, to avoid being shot? Uh, so okay. again, you can shoot any direction. You can do that while you're moving. And then um, you can crouch, but you can't... Um, Oddly, uh, uh, you can't crawl and shoot. You, you ha when you crouch, you stop moving. And then you can also do like a, a um, sliding dash type ability. The sliding dash is nice, but also kind of bad because you can't do anything else while you're in the dash, and you're very vulnerable. So if you're if you're trying to like dash away with your bullets, usually when the dash ends, your character stands back up, and you will get hit. It okay. makes it, it it's a nice ability to have, especially when you get in like an oh shit situation where like bolts are coming from all directions, and you can kind of dash underneath it. But generally, I don't use the dash too much unless I'm just trying to move faster because it's actually faster than just walking or running for that matter. I think. Um, the the uh, the one thing I noticed that you, you have a, a second or there's a way to abuse kind of in, uh, invulnerability frames when your character's climbing. So like if there's like a second story to a building and you're moving across, if you jump and latch your hands on and then climb up during the time from when you start climbing or like start um, trying to climb up the ledge, your character's invulnerable, which is really nice because if you're like, oh shit, I'm in trouble, I'm, I'm going to get hit by something, you can like grab a ledge and then start climbing up and you take no damage during the actual transition, which is really nice, actually. Um, it saves you a lot of time. Um, and then, so at each level again is about three minutes, three to four minutes. Uh, realistically, you have three lives, right? So, and you can turn up the difficulty. The game starts on normal. It goes easy, normal, hard. Uh, you start with three lives, and then you can turn up to five lives if you want to. Um, and essentially, as you're going through the levels, if you get hit, you die. Uh, if you get hit by fire, if you get hit by an explosive, you just die. So you essentially want to try and save all your lives for the bosses. Each of the bosses is pretty damn unique i would say eh, i wouldn't say unique but they're challenging they're they're kind of interesting so the first level um is essentially you, you progress your, through screen after screen of enemies you obliterate them you get all the upgrades and then there's this part where there's a cattle run and the cattle's just like run across the screen and you have to jump on their backs almost like uh, think lion king the sega genesis one where you're like jumping from animal to animal in order to not take any damage and if you if you miss and you fall between and you get run over you just die it's really easy to avoid there's two phases of that throughout the level like they occur and then there's just bad guys in between before you get to the first boss um the first boss is really surprisingly challenging 
he is uh, he's at the upper center part of the screen, and then each of the quadrants, upper left, upper right, bottom right, and bottom left, there are a pair of um, sort of bandits that pop out and shoot at you. And then as well, there are four windows in the middle that start with with uh, bandits in it, and they all shoot at you. So at the very beginning, and it, I kind of talked about this before, if you lose your upgrades, it makes it really challenging. And this is one of those situations. Because when your weapon's upgraded, you can fire faster, and you can do a wider spread. So when the boss starts, it makes it really easy if you just clean up all the, the center windows, because those don't respawn. On. only the upper left and upper right do so if you can clear those out quickly it's it's amazing um and then basically what you do is is the top left and top right alternate spawning so you basically go to left kill that one go to the right kill that one and in between you shoot the middle and in the middle there's two barrels that protect the boss when the barrels get low they blink red uh, this is where a teenage Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comes into place. You know, like the bosses start flashing red when they get when they start oh, taking yeah, yeah. damage and get lower and lower, and then they turn solid. That's what these barrels do, and that's what all the bosses do. So when the barrels get low, um, you have to be careful because when you shoot them, then when they die, they fall. And if they land on you, you die. It counts as one of your deaths. And again, you only have three lives. So you clear up the two barrels, and then you shoot the boss a lot. And it gets pretty hectic because if you if you're unable to kill the two bandits that spawn in either the upper left or upper right, you get overwhelmed very easily because they basically phase in, shoot at you, and then phase out because they go back in the window. And if you aren't able to kill them before they phase back in, then both the upper left and upper right can fire at the same time on top of the boss shooting. And it's just so many projectiles that makes it really challenging to avoid. So the first boss took me uh, several tries. It took me like seven or eight tries to get it right, even even after getting to him with full lives every single time. I just Damn. could not get get down the pattern the boss was he has a lot of health um and then so finally after you beat the first boss um after you kill them you go you go to the second level the second level you're on a your horseback and this level was so much easier than the first level for uh for at least the level part of it you're on a horse it's a rail right so you're in the first level you have to progress the screen throughout the entire um level in the second level it's just always progressing because you're on a horse moving very quickly there are like bandits that spawn but they spawn in very predictable spots because you're on a mounted unit so you generally know you're on a rail system right in in, in essence so it's very easy to identify where the monsters are coming from or the the bandits so it's very easy to, to clean them up even before, even before they spawn on screen uh, okay. throughout the level you have to kill a cart and kill some more guys and like you get through it not not that big a deal the second boss was really cool um i, I really enjoyed the second boss took me a lot less time than the first boss um but i did like I, I think it was the second boss when he gets low so he's kind of in the background right and he's like popping up and shooting at you and then and then he summons people kind of like the first one but the, it's a little bit more interactive but when he gets low he jumps out from the background into the foreground and he attacks you and it's like really surprising because he's getting low and then he like i did not expect it he like leapt out in front of me like comes and just starts you. unloading on you yeah exactly like he, he's getting kind of desperate um and then so after you beat the second boss you do a bonus level the bonus levels are they're, they're very arcade driven it's essentially like these things pop up on the screen and you just have to click on them before they go away and there's 50 of them and based on how you do you get extra lives and all that jazz very arcade right so it's like yeah. one of the bonus levels in between um, and then the game just kind of goes goes on a pattern from there. So it's like the, the third level, um, it was very similar to the second level. And then the fourth level uh, was really cool because you actually go straight. Or excuse me. The third level was back to being on foot, if I remember correctly. Yeah. The third level is back on foot. The fourth level, you go straight to the boss. And it's very cool because you're in like this theater tavern room. And there's this big ass chandelier in the middle. And you're fighting these two gentlemen called the Smith Brothers, I think. Uh, I think it's Smith Brothers. They, there's one at the top left, one at the top right, and you're basically supposed to use the chandelier to swing back and forth and shoot at them. 
and it's pretty fun because you basically have this object you can interact with throughout it and you can like climb on top of it and shoot them and then like duck under and shoot shoot them and there's a bonus sort of a bonus objective of rescuing there's a, a lady who's tied up and you can basically rescue her during the fight which is pretty funny because i'm like i feel like that chick would have got shot two seconds into because mm-hmm. how much uh fire was going back and forth um and then the fifth boss which is the last one that i beat um was um it's the it's it's this guy that kind of looks like you, looks like a bandito, but he's got this shield. He's got like this, this metal shield, and he blocks all of your attack. And so you have to like jump behind him and shoot him, but you only get to hit him for like half a second or something. So the fight takes a while. It's very slow-paced um, because it just takes a while to kill him, but he also attacks you, and, and he just does... A, he can easily kill you. Like it, It's a very um, surprising Like he, He's just kind of stable, and then all of a sudden he like leaps around, and he's shooting, and you're trying to avoid him, but you also want to deal damage to him because eventually you're going to make a mistake and get hit. So what's cool after you beat him though? He is all. He, so the guy that I was playing is wearing a sombrero and a poncho. He's wearing like a pink poncho. After you beat the fifth boss, you take his um, his uh, his hat, which is a, a red sombrero, which is pretty funny. I was like, oh, that's a very small detail <laughs> thing. Um, the sixth level is, the, is um, the last boss is like a Native American. It's like an Indian indian chief or something uh i just got really frustrated because he, he's very fast and he's melee he has like a sword um and he just moves very quickly and i just kept dying to it over and over and over and the level was was really annoying um and i couldn't get the last boss or to the end of the level with with enough lives to actually beat the boss so oh. um i ended up stopping at that point because it was just getting kind of frustrating yeah he did. um yeah right so a very arcade, a very arcade driven, very fun. I think this would be a fun multiplayer game to play. I think with one other person, it'd be very fun. But with four people, I think it would be just absolute cancer, just because it'd be impossible to dissect what's going on. <laughs> um, yeah. The sound effects and music were good. They uh, definitely fit the game. They were not amazing, but they were. It, it was that background noise that's there that you appreciate that it being there. It's like substantially better than silence, but it's not so much that it kind of draws your attention in, and it's not one of those really short tracks that's on repeat. Um, that those also catch my attention. Like if you're playing a game and the the track for it is like a 30 second loop or a 15 second loop or something, um, that always drives me nuts because it's like you, you after playing it for a while, you start to just hear it constantly and it just I don't know, it's just uh, not a good thing. So the me. soundtrack's not great. It's it's no, it, this isn't bad. It's it's very subtle. Um, it's it's perfect for an arcade style game. Okay. I'm not expecting high, high high quality music. I'm just looking for something that's not annoying or overly repetitive. And I feel like this was um, this was perfect. I looked up um, some videos of it while you were talking, and I can see the, I can see the turtles in time comparison, but mostly just because of the really the colors are what, and I guess there's that one western uh, level on turtles in time, but it seems like color wise, it it did remind me a lot of it, but gameplay wise, it it looked a lot more like Contra to me. Interesting. It doesn't. It's not nearly as difficult as Contra. But is it okay? But it. Okay, so did it? So yeah, it didn't really it's feel similar. Like it? I think the controls are smoother in this than Contra, um, if I had to guess. But um, I think this game is is a lot easier, which makes so it more, more accessible. More, be- more like a beat 'em up version of Contra, kind of. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Like, but, I mean, you you still only have one health in this, so it's like okay. that, there's that challenging to it. But like, yeah. Once you understand, it's one of those games where the more you play it, the better you get at it because you just know what to expect. And once you know what's going on at the levels, um, it's it makes it like substantially easier. Okay, cool. So was it good though? Like overall, I know it was kind yeah, of frustrating. I it. it was good. Okay. Yeah, it, it was fun. I mean, it, it, it was fun for what it is, right? It, it's not like the best game ever made, but it was, it was fun. Um, the challenge was definitely there. And I, it was something that 
when you play these types of games, you, you play for like 45 minutes, you get frustrated, you come back, and then you, you progress a little bit more. And, you know, obviously you have to reset every time, but it's 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 very fun. It's very accessible. It is a good challenge. It's a, it's a nice, like, really easy thing to pick up and play for 30, 45 minutes, and then just put it down and come back, you know, when you feel like it. Sure. Like, there's, no, there's no commitment to it. Okay, cool. Yeah, it looks like a, it looks it does look like a decent um just kind of time waster type like mm-hmm. like brain exactly. not time waster but like brainless mindless kind of just fun type game. Yeah, very simple. It, it, it's a very simple game. Okay, awesome. Is that it for you for this mm-hmm. this time? Okay. I've got two. Let's start off with uh I went ahead and and went for it. I was talking about how uh, they added multiplayer back to star Wars battlefront. I was like, you know what? Now's the time to give it a shot. Oh man. So I played the original star Wars battlefront. This came out in 2004 for PC, PS2 and Xbox. And I had, I've, I've always heard about how great this game is. As I said earlier, somehow I just kind of missed it back in the day, but um, it's supposed to be a really fun multiplayer game. And a lot of people I know have really fond memories of it. And so when, when, when they re-added the multiplayer and then also it was only five bucks, I was like, well, I got to just try it now. If for no other reason than just to see, you know, what, what all the hype was about. You know, I, I wasn't really expecting it to, to hold up very well to, to modern day stuff, but just to kind of get, you know, just to kind of get a feel for what it was. And um, it was a pretty fun game. It was, it, was, uh, it was a fun reminder of what it was like to play multiplayer shooters back in the early 2000s. Where everything is just kind of silly and fun and hectic, and there aren't people who who I mean I'm sure maybe there are, but not nearly as much. There aren't people who know life it as much, so you don't just jump in a match and get killed instantly by every single person. You know, that's uh, that never happens for me. But yeah, <laughs> that happened to me when I tried to play in one of the um, Call of Duty games a couple years ago. I just couldn't do shit. I was just getting like instantly killed by anybody who saw me. And uh, so this was this was a nice change of pace from that because uh, I mean, I'm sure like I said, I'm sure there are pe- plenty of people on there who, who, who have played a shit ton. And, and, and there were definitely because some of the people, you know, most people in a, in a match have two, three, four, 10, 12 kills, maybe. And then there were always a couple at the very top that had. 45 kills, you know, in one game. So, uh, those still exist, but it's not every single fucking person you see. Sure. You don't have to be a champ just to survive and, and, you know, and get some fun out of it. So the, uh, it's, it's, there is a single player campaign, but I didn't even play it. My, my understanding is it's safely ignorable. It's just there just to be there. And really this is just a multiplayer game basically. And uh, it's always, you know, Empire versus Rebels or oh, fucking Trade Federation versus, uh, you know, Clone versus Clones or something or versus the, versus the Republic. And so uh, it's, it's, it's always the typical good guys versus bad guys in, in some era of Star Wars on every map that you're playing. And, um, so, you know, you get the, those are the people that you get to choose from. So you don't choose what side you play on, but but the game chooses that for you, but whatever side you are, you get five, uh, four or five options of what character you want to play. Not, not character, but kind of like what type of character you want to play. You can play as a, you know, a scout, 
you might have a sniper rifle or you could just play as a regular uh, stormtrooper and just kind of, you know, just, just your standard run and gun type guy. Or, uh, I don't know, there are, there are ones that um, are more like pilots and they're kind of geared more toward driving the vehicles, but they also have kind of more, they tended to, it was kind of weird, they tended to have more explosive weapons, I'm not quite sure why. Yeah, like rocket launchers, RPGs or something. Yeah, 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 stuff like that. Um, there, you could be a Wookiee on one of the levels, uh, that's on, I, I think it's on Kashyyyk, there was Wookiees was one of the, one of the rebel units you could be. You could be the um, the droids that roll around, and then they have destroy the shields droids. around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The destroy droids that have the shields around them, and uh, or you could be the typical the the little robots from the fucking prequels that are always so go- like supposed to be like funny and talking to each other and stuff the whole time. Uh, I don't remember. They say Roger Roger constantly. Roger Roger. Oh, yeah. the battle droids, or no, the battle. What are they called? I, I can't don't. Remember the name. Yeah, I yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Um, and then. And like I said, and then it just kind of throws you in and just like, okay, go kill everybody. Just go kill each other. Um, a lot of the maps you are, in fact, it may be all of them that you're trying to take over key points on the map, you know? And so you're kind of fighting over those. And outside of that though, it's really just get in there and, and shoot at the bad guys. Oh, yeah. And and it's pretty fun. It's some of the levels are better than others. You know, some are, there were the first one I played on, it was all corridors on, I don't think it was Cloud City, but it was a lot like Cloud City. But you were you were on the outside; it wasn't inside, and uh, that one was just okay. But then there were a lot of other ones that were a lot better that have kind of inside and outside parts and more room to run around. There was a Hoth one where there are trenches that you can run through. Oh, and, cool! Yeah, you've got your bases, and you have a lot of the bases have big turrets on them. So if they start getting into your base, and you have you know some extra firepower to try to to try to fight them off. Um, and as I said, there's vehicles also, there are even AT-ATs that you can get in. Um, and then some of them are, have, have ships that you can, that actually leave the ground and fly around. Um, and it's always fun just to get in those and just fly around. One, of the, one time I was in one, I think it was a snow speeder and I could not realize why the hell it wasn't going any direction that I told it to. I was shooting stuff and I could, I could see stuff as I was flying by and I was doing my best but it was just not controlling whatsoever. It was just kind of flying like it had a mind of its own. It was, I was actually in the rear facing seat and there was another pilot. Oh that was man. <laughs> it's like, That's what awkward. the hell is going on? But, um, and then sometimes there will be somebody playing as a really powerful character from the series, like Darth Vader, for instance. And as far as I, I understand, as far as I understand, it's just kind of random. I don't know if maybe you get him for doing something special or for being extra yeah. good or if it's just random, but you definitely can't just pick him. Um, but they're basically invincible and they just come in and you can't shoot him because he'll just deflect everything back at you. So I, I think you can pretty much only attack him with explosive stuff, but even then it takes a hell of a lot. So you start just juggling him with rockets. You'll just shoot one and he goes flying up and then you try to shoot another one to land right when he gets down. It's hilarious because you're just juggling Darth Vader with a rocket launcher. Um, I, I got a good three or four hours out of this just of kind of just jumping in random servers and just playing around for a little bit. Um, you know, it's nothing that's, that's very deep. It, I can see how it was a super fun game back in the day. Nowadays, there's there's a lot of stuff that I would rather play instead, but I did have fun 
just as kind of like what we were just talking about. It was it was it was good mindless fun um, that I that you get to just jump in and, and play with other people and shoot each other. And like I said, you don't have to worry about all these people just being a million times better than you are. For, for the most part, you're going to be able to you know at least play and 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 be somewhat competent in the game as long as you have some idea of how first person shooters work. So uh, it was fun. I, I don't think I'm going to go back to it anymore, but I'm but I'm glad that I did. It, it was it was neat to see, you know, what it's all about. My second game is um, I was oddly in the mood for something a little bit more uh, obscure. Not not obs- not obscure. Not not like uh, unknown, but something that one of I was looking for an old game that takes that's hard to get into where you have to read the manuals to actually even understand what the hell is going on. I I have no idea what possessed me to, to play a game like this because usually that's the last thing I want to do is have to read a manual before I play a fucking game. (laughs) But, um, but for some weird ass reason, I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to play an old game. That's really old. And, uh, and, and I can't understand it unless I have to read the manual. I went for Ultima 4. I heard this is a really good RPG and, uh, and a, a unique RPG. And it is a super old kind of DOS game where you, it's, where you don't really know what's going on until you read a manual. So I went for it. This one came out in 1985. It was for DOS and then uh, also Amiga and Commodore 64 and all that kind of, all those really old PC-like things. And it actually did eventually come out on NES as well, which is kind of interesting. But, um, so it's it's an RPG. It's a top-down RPG. Um, it's an open-world RPG, which is interesting for how old it is. And the, um, the point of the game, it's, it's very, it's... Very open world. It's it's got a pretty big map for for a game this old. Um, it's not huge by any means, but it's it's impressive. Definitely very impressive for 1985. It's uh and it's not only open world in the sense of how big it is, and you can kind of go around and do whatever you want. But even your goals are very non-linear, and you can kind of just do things in whatever order you want, and you're not railroaded really in the least. So the point of this game is uh, you're you're the goal is to become an avatar, which is basically their word for a um, like a paragon, kind of a the uh, the the chief example of the most virtuous person there can be. That's what your goal is, and there are eight virtues that you have to master. The virtues are honesty, compassion, valor, justice, sacrifice, honor, spirituality, and humility. So you're walking around the map and the way you master these eight virtues is you have to do several things for each of them. First, you have to actually kind of master just the virtue itself. And you do that just simply by just doing things in the world. So uh, justice, for instance, you get just you basically kind of rack up justice points by killing bad guys. Um uh, honor, you do that by, I think, um, gosh, I'm not even sure what you do a lot of these, how you do a lot of these, um, honesty, you get that by, so there's, there are some shops where they say, uh, where you buy stuff and they tell you how much it is, but then they give it to you before they charge you. 
And so they'll be like, oh, that's 30 gold. And they'll give you your stuff. And then it says, how much do you want to give them? And you can just rip them off if you want. But then that lowers your honesty points. So that makes it harder to master honesty later on. You got to work harder to rack up your honesty points, for example. Compassion, you get the, you get points in compassion, I think, by giving... You, you'll frequently come across people who are poor or even dying in some cases. And I think if you give them... I like how you laugh when you say that. <laughs> if you get, well, it's funny because they look different. They're these like decrepit, gray-looking little stick figures on the screen when they're dying. And you're talking to them, and they're just kind of talking to you like normal... Um, but I think they're humans too. (laughs) I think you can. That's right. I always forget. Uh, I think you get compassion points by giving them gold. And then there are various other things. Valor is, I think you get that just kind of by fighting in general. Um, there are some you get, it might be humility by running away from battles. So it's kind of like, to get valor, you need to get that first and then go after humility because you kind of have to do the opposite on each of those valor. You get by fighting people humility. You get from running away from people. Um, so, but, but it's really interesting because there aren't any missions where it says, okay, go do this. And then your honor, you know, and then you've learned how to master honor. It's purely based on what you choose to do just openly while you're playing the game. Which, again, for 1985, that's a very novel concept and, and really cool. Um, but, but beyond kind of just doing, be, becoming virtuous in these different ways, for each of the eight virtues, you also have to learn the mantra of this virtue. You have to find the rune of the virtue. You have to find the stone of the virtue. And you have to chant the mantra at the shrine. You have to find the shrine. Well, usually it's easy to find the shrine. Um, you, you have to go to the shrine and chant the mantra while you have the stone and the rune. And you have to do that for each of the eight virtues. So it's a lot of work. Uh, the finding the So learning the mantra, you usually ha- just get that just by talking to people. And eventually they'll say, oh, did you know the mantra for this is such and such? Or they'll say, oh, you can talk to this guy uh, and he'll, and he, cause he knows the mantra for spirituality. Um, finding the rune is kind of f- dumb and frustrating. Usually these are just randomly hidden in places in the world. There's one spot where you have to just go on a random tile in one town and search. And that's where it is. So you basically wouldn't ever... Is there any way to know? Or is it just purely random? It's pu- it's pretty purely random. The only way you might know in this one is that there's this kind of hallway that goes down and then it kind of turns a little bit at the end, but then there's just nothing there. So, you know, it looks a little suspicious and you you might be okay. you might kind of be like, oh, what, is there something here? Let me search for it. But really, there's there's no way of knowing um, oh man, classic yeah, games, right? Yeah, exactly. This is where it starts to kind of go downhill a little bit. There was another one where it was on top of a treasure chest or something, but you don't get it from opening it. Opening the treasure chest, you have to search the treasure chest because it's on. I think it's supposed oh, to be on the outside of the treasure chest or something like that. Um, well, oh, that that's another one too. You don't. You can't just open treasure chests in town. Because that counts as stealing, and that'll lower, that'll reduce your, I think, honesty, or it's either honesty or justice that it reduces. But you got to be careful. I think it's honesty. You got to be careful about that. 
It's not like Zelda where you just go inside people's houses and start rooting through all their stuff. Um, so once you've done all of those things for all eight of the virtues, then you have to, you make a key and then you go do some other stuff. It's, which is far past where I got. So you have to go in this big dungeon that, uh, is supposedly extremely difficult. I think it's more puzzle wise. It's difficult, but practically impossible. If you don't have a guide, um, this game starts off as a good premise, a lot of cool ideas, but it goes really downhill with a lot with how, you know, difficult and random a lot of the stuff is when you, when you go into dungeons. So one of the things that I said you have to do is you have to find the stone for the virtue, which is different from the rune. You have to find the stone, which is the, the stones are always in dungeons and they're always in a dungeon named like based on the opposite of the virtue. So, uh, you know, if it's the dungeon of, if it's the stone of honesty that you're looking for, then it's the, I think that one is the dungeon of deceit, for instance. You cl- you go down into the dungeon and you, uh, and it goes into kind of first person dungeon crawler mode, like all those really, really old school dungeon crawlers, you know, and you're walking around and, and then you come across, uh, it's like you're looking at what's in front of you and you press forward to, you know, walk one kind of square forward and then you can look side to side if you want. You can kind of turn around each other, uh, each way to kind of see what's next to you and all that. And then you press forward again and it walks forward one square or back one square or however you want to go. And these are difficult because one, so one thing I haven't mentioned is this is 100% one of those, one of those games where you have to write down everything. Anytime someone gives you a clue or something or says you should go do this or you should check out this place, you have to write down what they told you because there's no, you know, there's nothing in game that tracks all this stuff. Um, If they say, hey, the mantra for valor is ohm, then you got to write that down. Excuse me. Um, Same thing's true in dungeons. You have to map out where you're walking in the dungeon in order to have any clue kind of where you are or how to get back where you're going. You could conceivably, you know, just kind of wander around until you find the exit again. Uh, but <laughs> what makes that less than likely is there are, so when you go into a dungeon, it's dark and you have to have a torch. Sometimes you'll walk onto a square and it says, Oh, there's a lot of wind here. It blew your torch out <laughs> and everything just turns black. What? It's just fucking black. And luckily, the first time this happened to me... Well, first off, the first time this happened to me, I had an extra torch, but then it got blown out too because I just lit it in the same exact place because I, I didn't really understand exactly what was going on and it instantly blew out. But uh, luckily, I had already thought, you know what, I should probably map this out. This is one of those old games where you need to do this. And so I literally, like, looking at my map that I had drawn on a piece of paper... I backtracked exactly how I thought I should to get to the exit. And it actually worked mind bogglingly. My instructions were accurate. My map was accurate. So I actually made it out then, but you would be a hundred percent screwed. If, um, I mean, I guess, I guess you could just wander around until you die because when you die, you just respawn at this one particular castle. And so I guess that would work, but otherwise, um, you, I mean, you're you're screwed if you don't have a map and your and your torch goes out underground. So there's that. You have to write down everything. Um, 
you uh what else oh you as i said you have to read the manuals um because for 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 many reasons um two of the main ones are well first off for the controls this is a game so it doesn't use a mouse it's not, it's too old but it was before they thought mouse uh, using a mouse was was good for computers basically everything is keyboard based and um it's one of those games where you know you have to press K to do this or D to do that or E to do this and everything is based on a particular key on the keyboard it's not you don't get to go to a menu and choose things and even when you go when you walk up to characters and you're carrying on conversations with them you actually have to type in the words of the conversation to, to talk to them. So there are, I think four main keywords that you, that you say to any character you say, um, you walk up and you press T and point to them to talk to them. And then you can ask, you can type name to ask them their name. You can type job to ask them their job. You can type health to act, to ask them, you know, what kind of condition they're in. Hey, how's your health doing? Yeah, exactly. Um, you can ask them to join you. You do get you get you do get people to join your party eventually, and then I think there might be one more. Oh, you can give you can give things to people. Um, I think you can I think you can only give gold to people, but uh, so it's really frustrating having to go to everybody. T then you know type out name then job then health just to kind of get an idea of you know because you don't know what you might miss if you don't ask everything to every person you really have to talk to every npc and pretty much ask them everything or else you're going to miss a lot of stuff that you have to that you have to get or that you have to know in order to continue with the game so you do have to talk to everybody you have to type out all the responses and then there are and then there's uh, and then to lead, to to stop talking to them you have to type out bye <laughs> And then if they ask you a question, you have to type yes or no. But here's the tricky thing about that is sometimes sometimes you only have to press Y or no or Y or N and it instantly accepts that without you having to press enter. But sometimes you have to type out yes or no and hit enter. So that really Why? screws you. I don't know. But it really screws you because they might say something and then you're typing yes, and then you type Y, and they automatically start responding, but you don't realize that, so you continue typing ES, enter, and then you're given these random commands, and you don't know what's going on, and then it's like, and then you just don't know what's going on, because they're, they're trying to talk to you, and you're trying to say stuff, and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about, you know, if you because you just typed ES, enter, so that gets a little annoying that it's not, that it's not consistent in that way. Um, combat is very minimal when you're on, so combat typically happens... It'll happen in a dungeon or in the overworld. A lot of the time you'll be walking in the overworld and then you'll see, you know, a skeleton or, or a, uh, like a rogue or a thief or something like that will come up to you. And once they get on the same square as you, then you go into combat. Just and it's similar in a dungeon, but it's not top down anymore. Of course, it's first person. But when you do get into combat in a dungeon, then it switches to the top down view for the combat. And it kind of takes you just to a separate little. It's, it's kind of like it almost it zooms in um, when you're in the overworld, for instance. It's kind of like it zooms in. And it takes you to a, a smaller scale area based on kind of where you were. And then you and the other monster or the other monsters are in this area and fighting at each other. Um, and when you beat them, assuming you do beat them, then it goes back to the overworld and pretty much, but to, to beat them, you just kind of walk up to them and start hitting them. You can also cast spells, which I'll talk about in a second. If you're a mage as I was, then 
you'll spend most of your time launching, uh, like using a sling against them. So trying to trying to get them before they get up, trying to kill them before they get up to you. And then usually once they get low on health, then they'll start running away. So then you want to try to kill them before they can get away, so you can get all the gold for killing them. Once you've killed them, it jumps back to the overworld, and then there is a chest right under you, and you can open the chest to get whatever is in it. But here's the annoying thing. Sometimes the chests that they leave behind are trapped. So your reward for killing these bad guys is you take damage from opening the chest or worse, you get poisoned, which is worse than any other game I've ever played because it ha- it acts so fast in relation to, ha- what to, to what your max HP is. Um, so moving one square on the overworld map, um, you know, it's, it's a tile based game. So you move one tile at a time, moving one of those takes off poison every single time. I don't think there was any time that I got poisoned where I was able to make it back to a town or something in time to get healed before the poison killed me. It acts, um, if you don't have the stuff to craft the poison, the, the, the cure poison spell with, then you're screwed. And that happened to me so many times. It's super annoying in this game. Um, so I'll talk about the spells. Spells are tedious in this game. You so <laughs> you uh, use so it's, so they're based on mixing ingredients rather than using MP or anything like that. You first off have to look up the spell in the manual to find out what the ingredients are. But the ingredients are not just listed. It's not like there's a list of spells and their ingredients. Instead, what the manual has, uh, and I was doing this based off of an actual PDF of the manual. What the manual has is just a paragraph of information about the spell. And somewhere in that paragraph, it also tells you what the, what the ingredients are. But it's not ever in a way that's where it's easy to pick them out. So you basically have to read the whole fucking paragraph to figure out what the ingredients for the spell are. Here's an example. The spell for energy field. Uh, this, is, this is what it says. This is, this is the information for energy field. There are four types of energy fields known to the practitioner of the mystic arts. Sleep, poison, fire, and lightning. The effects are varied, but the magic used to erect them is the same in each instance. Any person attempting to pass through an energy field will run the risk of either falling asleep or being poisoned in the case of the first two types. If the field is of fire, then their flesh shall burn as they pass through, and they shall feel much pain and anguish. While the field composed of lightning is impenetrable, the casting of energy fields is not difficult and requires only a small exertion on the part of the spellcaster, but the fields are only effective in enclosed areas such as subterranean passages and inside of rooms. The reagents necessary in the casting, here we go, of these energy fields are sulfurous ash for the burn of creation, spider silk for the, for the binding of forces to a single spot, and Black Pearl for the launching of the spell to a spot away from he who works the magic. It would be sure. a grave error. <laughs> it would be a grave error indeed to cast such a spell without the latter component, for you would find yourself in the midst of the field. So you have to read that whole damn thing 
to to find okay the ingredients for this are uh, let me see okay yeah sulfurous ash spider silk and black pearl that's every single spell and there are about there are more than 10 spells in the game i'll just say that much like maybe 10 or 12 so so back to crafting a spell you have to look it up in the manual, read the whole damn paragraph, figure out what the ingredients are. Hopefully you have those ingredients. Um, if you don't, you have to buy them. Uh, then when you want to, you press M to mix a spell. Then you type in the name of the spell that you want to mix. Then you tell it what, your, what ingredients you're putting in to try to create it. Then you hit enter. Then it's done. Then you press C to go to the spells that you've mixed. And then it'll list them all with a number or letter next to it. And then you press that button next to it to actually cast the spell. That seems extremely tedious. Uh, yeah, it's extremely, it is extremely tedious. Uh, especially, as I said, when it comes to poison. Uh, also, your, your class, uh, I didn't mention this. Is is uh, purely this isn't good or bad. This is just worth noting. Uh, your class is based purely on at the very beginning of the game. You talk to a fortune teller and she kind of flips some cards and asks you some questions. And your class is based purely on how you answer the questions. So you don't really get to pick your class, you know, unless obviously you want to just look it up and see how how to answer to be this or that class. But that's how your class is decided. Um, overall. This is a good game. There are uh, this game has a very uh, kind of devoted following. There are a lot of people who really, really love this game, and I can definitely understand why. It is definitely uh, it is a good game, especially for nineteen eighty for nineteen eighty five. It's an outstanding game. Um, it's extremely ambitious. It's different from I, I I'm sure any other RPG from that time. It's creative. It's thoughtful. You can tell a lot of love and care went into making this game. I love the feeling. Yeah. But I just didn't have the patience for it. Even going back to the, what I said at the beginning, even being in the mood for something <laughs> that I wanted to have to kind of put a lot of work yeah. into to, to, to get the most out of it. Even in that mindset, I didn't have the patience for it. <laughs> so wait, wait, year did this game come out? 85. Okay. Um, I was extremely impressed by it. But it's just not for me. Jay, you ready to talk about our top fives? As long as you are. I think I am, yeah. You sure? Yes, I'm, oh, I'm so sure. I'm so sure. Are you emotionally available for this? <laughs> I am, yeah. Okay. All right. Make it sure. This is our top five most consistent, uh, best franchises with the most consistent quality. Okay. Um. Jay, why some don't you sort of It took some non-obvious as well, so we just didn't have a boring conversation about it. You know what I mean? Really? I, did, like I some... didn't feel like there were any that were so obvious, because for me, really? the more obvious ones, I could always... The most obvious... The mo the ones that seemed the most obvious to me, once I thought about them, I was... I kind of stopped thinking that they were really uh, consistent. Interesting. I looked at it from the perspective of like kind of like an average, right? So you take uh, certain franchises into consideration. They have some amazing titles, some good titles, and then some okay titles. So some ones that I don't enjoy playing too much. And if I average those out, on average, they're going to be pretty 
pretty well up there. Okay, there I kind of I went a little bit different. I took it in terms okay. of like a every single game or or almost every single game is very good. Oh man, yeah. But, uh, the but, funny part is, like, there are certain ones that I was looking at. I'm like, do I know all the titles that came out for this? Oh yeah, Mario and Zelda would be the yeah. main ones on that. I'm sure. Okay, so what's your number five then? Uh, my number five is Tony Hawk. Uh, it was Ooh. funny enough we were just talking about this on the podcast. There, are, there, are kind of what we were just talking about. There are certain Tony Hawk games that are not regarded well, especially the first one was was kind of a trial phase for them of of learning a lot. But I feel like after that point, it was just kind of up and up for them for a long time. Obviously, the last few titles that they've released have have not really translated well to today's gaming. To, to I guess kind of today's gaming. I don't know how to put it, but it's like what what people are into today is and, and realistically, skateboarding is not it. But for me, it's like. I played the second one. I played the third one. I played the fourth one. The second and third one, I think, are, are very good games. The fourth one was a little bit rough. And then Underground and Underground 2, I remember playing Underground and enjoying it and then reading that Underground 1 and 2 are very well regarded, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, for me, I, I look at this as a, as a pretty successful franchise. I'm sure there are, there are certain titles and maybe some of the newer ones that are questionable, but at least from my experience, I look at it pretty positively. Okay. My number five... Okay, the, the number five was a little bit tough for me. I wasn't sure whether to do one that I wasn't 100% sure about because I haven't played them all or one where it's got a few amazing entries and one not good one. I decided to go with the former, which is Sid Meier's Civilization. My I list actually it was like my number six, number seven. Okay, I have not played yeah. Civ 1, 2, or 3. So that was why I was a little bit hesitant because I honestly don't really know if those games hold up very well. I, I don't. I do know, you know. Obviously, they had something going for them. They definitely had fans, or else the franchise wouldn't have kept on going so far. So I have to imagine they were at least pretty good. I do yeah. know that I've played everything since four and on, and uh, I know those are all great. So. Uh, I'm kind of just assuming that one through three pretty much had to have also been at least pretty good as well. Uh, so keeping, so that's, that's pretty good, especially over six, over six games. That's, that's a good track record, I think. Yeah, no, I think that's the, the right approach. That's kind of my thought as well as like of the titles that I've played or know of, I generally think this is a very good series for yeah. a good franchise. Yeah. Uh, my number four, very consistent, is Gran Turismo. Um, I've played a oh. number of Gran Turismo games. Again, I haven't played, I believe, I don't, I've, I've played either one or two. I don't remember which which of the two. I've played three, I've played four, um, and I've played a couple of the more recent ones. Not that I don't own them, I've played them with, with other people. And, it, you know, it's it's a very consistent series. Um, Gran Turismo took something that a lot of games were doing, and I feel like they did it better than everybody else. Obviously, they're a very realistic kind of simulation style as opposed to, you know, the flashy flip cars, crash type stuff. Yeah. But for me, I look at Gran Turismo as a very consistent, very fun series. Um, generally, if you, if you played any of them from my perspective, you kind of know what, what to expect. Um, and, and it's usually going to be of a, a pretty good quality. It seems like one of those things, to, to use verbiage you used earlier, which is it seems like a lot of care goes go into these games, a lot of details um, that they go into. Definitely. Okay, that's a good one. I hadn't really even considered that, but I, I wouldn't have really been able to comment because I've only played the the third one, the one that we played uh, at one point. My number four is SimCity. Yeah. Obviously, this one. this starts to fall apart with the most with with the latest one that they came out with. What four or five years ago? 
Yeah. That was just terrible. But everything up until then was amazing. SimCity 1, it was, it was fucking awesome. SimCity 2000, even better. SimCity 3000, just as good in different ways. SimCity 4, basically also just as good in different ways. All of these games were just amazing. And of course, you know, as I said, the one that came, the, the most recent one, um, is, is very unfortunate because they completely botched it and they didn't have to botch it, but they did. Uh, but all of the other ones up until that were just, uh, absolutely amazing games. It's a good one. I, it's, I'm kind of, it's one of those ones that almost baffles you. Like how, how did they do so good? so many times in a row, you know, <laughs> you think yep. like they would screw up just, just by virtue of trying new things and, Oh, this or that didn't work out very well, but no, they really just kept nailing it. Yep. It, it's always like, Oh, is this going to be the time of the other shoe drops? Are they going to fuck this one up? Like, yeah. Yeah. Where is this going? But yeah, no, no I, I totally agree with that. SimCity, they, they didn't let us down, did they? Up until the other, up until, uh, until they did. Until they did. All right. Number, um, uh, what? Three, Number three, uh, my number three is Grand Theft Auto. Um, I grew up with Grand Theft Auto. I played the first and second ones, which were a top-down mm-hmm. game. And when Grand Theft Auto 3 came out for the PS2, this is obviously during kind of the big... It was like the... the um, it was a very impressive time for, for PlayStation because obviously they're transitioning from the PlayStation 1 to the PlayStation 2. And they kind of blew our expectations uh, blew our expectations away across the border. Oh, but yeah. specifically um, for Grand Theft Auto, it was interesting for them to take a top-down and translate it into a three-dimensional world where you're play- basically playing third person. And they did it so well. Grand Theft Auto so 3 well. is not a perfect game. Um, there are a lot of issues with it. Obviously, there are a lot of really buggy things. And then the overall aiming mechanic is not great. But... For, for what it was, and, and then you go into 4 and 5, which 5 is very well received. I haven't played 5 personally, but I've heard really good things about it. Um, it's one of those titles that just, you know, every single time they do it, they, they've done a pretty damn good job. Obviously, they've had some hiccups. I know there were some issues with online stuff with the fifth one, but um, I look at Grand Theft Auto as a very successful and, and very strong franchise. Definitely, and that's my number three as well. For, for the exact <laughs> same reasons that you said, um, there has not been a any Grand Theft Auto game out of any of them that wasn't at least really good, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I, I guess I the only one I haven't played is 4, so I can't personally speak to that one, but I, I've heard, I haven't heard any major complaints about it. Um, I've heard mostly yeah. really good stuff. And, and you made a good point, which is we tend to think of the Grand Theft Auto series as Grand Theft Auto 3 and everything that came after it. But yeah. even the first two... Even though they Super were fun. very different, they were so fun. They were really, yeah. really good. Very games. challenging. Yeah, we used to play those. Um, I used to play those a lot. Me and my friends used to play. I think we mostly played the second one, but we played the first one some. And it's it was even back then before we even knew what what it could have been. It was so fun just to run around and cause mayhem, stealing cars, driving around all crazy, shooting things up. Get from your the, car painted. Yeah, Hi, get your car painted from this top-down view style game those were really solid really fun games totally agree all right number two uh number two over to me uh my number two oh i deleted the wrong one. Oh no i did uh my number two is the elder scroll series now again oh. i haven't played the first and second one but elder scroll three four and and um the most recent skyrim has been 
great games. I mean, obviously, obviously I've talked, I vocalized, you know, some of the issues I have with Skyrim, and I think that Oblivion is, is a better title. But it's like Morrowind when it came out, phenomenal game, super addicting, just crazy good story. Obviously, mechanically, there's some, there's some issues with it, but I still dumped hundreds of hours into it. Uh, Oblivion, I still dump hundreds of hours into it. It's just an incredible, well, well-polished game. Even the, uh, visually, was was stunning for the time. It was, it was just like the peak of graphics. And then Skyrim. I mean, Skyrim has had so many Game of the Year awards and just add uh, additions added to it. You know, did different pieces of it. So, for me, I look at look at that series and the sixth one. They they they've talked about it. Obviously, it's years out before they'll have anything to show. Um, but I. I would be very surprised and you know bethesda obviously doesn't have a good track record right now but at least that series has been pretty pretty consistent and strong yeah hopefully they don't fuck it up <laughs> <laughs> i've heard their online games got a lot better so that that's very good to hear but i'm also nervous to say at least yeah we'll, we'll see i'm i'm a little In bit nervous years, too. No, yeah. <laughs> i'm nervous also yeah all right, mine. You know, my here's my number two. And now that I think about it a little bit more, uh, this one probably should have been three. I think Grand Theft Auto should have been a little should should have been should have been higher than this one. But anyway, it's Street Fighter. The um the first the first Street Fighter game is crap. But Street Fighter two, Street Fighter Alpha, Street Fighter three, Street Fighter four, and gener- for, for for most aspects of it, Street Fighter five, all phenomenal fighting games we don't have to talk about street fighter 2 that's that kick-started the whole entire genre it wasn't the first one but it was the one that made people realize what the genre could be what it could do and it set the standard for the genre and it's a standard that that's that remains today that was street fighter 2 street fighter alpha came out after that it was basically just as good it didn't do a whole lot to uh, further the franchise it did it did some new things but not a whole lot it wasn't revolutionary in the way that the second one was at all but it was still a very 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 good game street fighter 3 even better than street fighter alpha it's just that they just it's somehow they kept the core things that made it great and just kind of kept improving just making little improvements on that but the it was it's okay that the that the improvements were only little ones because they had such a strong core to begin with. Street Fighter Four came out in oh gosh probably I want to say two thousand eight or roughly around there. It could be a little off. Uh, that was a very very solid one one as well. I, I don't think it's as good as three, but um, very very good. And it's 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 one of those where you could definitely argue it either way. Street Fighter Five. The game is very, very good. The game is great. It's got some problems with the monetization of it. Uh, like half the characters are fucking extra DLC, but um, that so that kind of sucks. But the gameplay is still it still has a super super solid foundation. Um, it's they have really really done a good job with this series over time, uh, keeping it kind of keeping it what it's core, keeping the core aspects of it. Um, all the, all the good things from the core aspects while trying to do different stuff, but kill, but still keeping the main things that, that made it what it is. So, uh, super good series. I, th- I think Grand Theft Auto maybe is better because it's more consistent as, as far as this particular list goes. Um, because it doesn't have the first one that sucked or the fifth one that has kind of the weird DLC issues, but overall, it is a uh, phenomenal series. All right, Jay, what's your number one most 
consistent, awesome franchise. I wanted to unmute Cinder. I actually kind of thought about that as well. I feel like I feel like after what we said about GTA, GTA actually kind of deserves a little bit of a response. So I definitely agree with you on that. Okay. I meant to unmute Cinder, but I couldn't. Um, my number one. Uh, I don't think this will be a huge surprise, but it is uh, Pokemon. Pokemon is is another one. When I think oh, of consistent. Good. I think of Pokemon. I mean, realistically, you talk about all the, name it, you know, name a different uh, a type of um, quality of stone, and there's a Pokemon game named after it at this point. <laughs> they've, they've done so many different colors and different stones and all that jazz. And it is so funny because you, you can, if you've played any of them, you can pick up another one and start playing it, and you're like, oh, this is very similar in this regard, this regard, and this regard. But they've tried to do this, or they've, they've oh, this was before that, and they changed this. And it, it's always interesting to see the different aspects that they've tried to adapt to it over the years with, with the different games. I mean, they added in so that you have 2v2 combat, um, you know, with, with the different titles that came out beyond just the initial Pokemon 2, you have Pokemon Stadium, um, which was a very fun game for, for 64, and I think there was one made for one of the later systems as well. But I look at that series, and it's like every single one of them is fun in its own regard. There are certain ones, you know, as we've kind of talked about, that are going to be better than the rest of them, or at least like slightly better than than some of the ones we, uh, that you might really enjoy. But across the board, you know, generally what you're getting into, and there should be no real surprise. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's I hadn't even thought about. That. I mean, I'm not a big Pokemon fan, but that one definitely you can't argue against that. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think it's the, the highest grossing franchise, if I'm not mistaken, right? It or, is. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, uh, my number one, I know this is probably going to shock everybody, Metal Gear Solid. Um, wow. I was wondering <laughs> if you were going to mention this. Seriously. Oh, yeah. It's, they don't, all of the games are fucking phenomenal. I, I say Metal Gear Solid specifically and not Metal Gear because I actually haven't played the NES Metal Gear games. But Metal Gear Solid 1, amazing game. It was a game changer. Metal Gear Solid 2, Fucking fantastic. It had some things that you can complain about. It's not perfect, but it is so, so, so good. Number Metal Gear Solid 3 is an absolute masterpiece. One of the greatest games ever made, ever. Metal Gear Solid 4? Damn near close to Metal Gear Solid 3 in terms of quality. It is so fucking good. Metal Gear Solid 5? There are plenty of people who didn't really care for this one. It's definitely weaker than... I mean, maybe it's out of all these, it's probably even the weakest. But I still had a shitload of fun with it. I, I have 80 hours in this game. It was... I I never got tired of it. It wasn't, again, wasn't as good as 1, 2, 3, or 4. But out of all the five, it's like, one of them has to be the worst one. This just happens to be, but it's still a really, really good game to me. Um, this is the only one... I guess this and Grand Theft Auto were the only ones where I was where I felt that all of the games, absolutely all of them, were outstanding. Um, yeah, it's just every single game is extremely creative and wacky and fun, and they all do crazy ambitious things. And for some people. It's just not their style. Or for some people, it kind of goes a little bit too crazy. And I totally understand that. But for me, it's uh, it's I'm just amazed at how they kept all of these as good as they are. Okay, so our next... Not, not a huge surprise, like you said, but cool. <laughs> not a huge surprise, but hopefully I, I justified it. 
well enough. Were, were there any honorable mentions you, you thought about putting in there? Yeah, the, the one main one that comes to mind, this is the one that I wasn't sure if I should put in, in fifth place or not, is the Monkey Island series. Because oh, okay. um, one, two, and three... All fantastic games, and then you know, Monkey Island. Those are that's my favorite franchise. That and Metal Gear Solid. Those are my two favorite franchises ever. Um, the fourth one is really, really bad, and I kind of felt I don't know. I, I gave that one more weight, and mm-hmm. as far as being bad and making it more inconsistent, I gave that one I think a little bit more weight than I did for, for instance, Sim City because and Street Fighter because, um. In, in this series, first off, there's only four of them. And so one makes 25% of it, you know, not as good. But also, in this one, as opposed to SimCity, the bad one came out kind of past our 2005 cutoff. So I said, well, since this one, really, the fourth one was still classic and not that good, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it count a little extra against it. And then the second one, even though I love it, it, it it's not... Perfect. It goes on a little bit too long. I, I again, I love the game, but it does have some problems. The second one does. Um, so those those couple things just added up a little bit to, again, not really not make. I don't want to say it's bad. Don't get me wrong. It's it was almost on my list. It was almost one of my top five. But it was just I, I felt like the other ones maybe just deserved it a little bit more. What about you? There were two two obvious ones for me. Zelda, I mean, you know, we kind of talked about that. I, I think majority of Zelda games are exceptional. I mean, the, and what's crazy is, is is when I look at some of the, the franchises we talked about, their more recent titles aren't necessarily their strongest. But Zelda, I mean, Breath of the Wild is an incredible game. I mean, absolutely incredible game. So it, it's impressive to me that even after all these years, they can still impress and amaze their fans. Um, so that that's a pretty strong one for me. And Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy was another one that I was like, ah, should I put it on there? There are definitely really Final right? Fantasy. For sure. I mean, I mean, majority of the games that I mean, we, let's talk about one through ten, right? Which is is kind of categorically the ones we talk about mostly for classic games, or even Final Fantasy XI included. Their MMO. There's only like two titles that I, I really dislike um, a lot, and the rest of them I I still want to play everyone. So I mean, seven I will play every few years the rest of my life, if not the new one. Nine, I will play the same, probably the same ratio. Ten, I've played more times than, than I can freaking count. A one, we, you and I just played it again for the podcast and really enjoyed it. Two is, you know, whatever, and then so on and so forth, right? So, I, I think on average they're they're pretty damn strong titles, and they, they have some unique aspects to them. They're they're not the the best things ever, but it, it, you know the quality you're getting going into it. Would you would you not agree with that? Is there, is no, there I wouldn't agree uh, with that. I I, I kind of feel the opposite. I feel like oh, it's got a lot of okay. good ones and a lot of bad ones. Gotcha. Um, you know, two and three, I consider those bad. I know you hate eight. Um, I haven't played 13. I've heard a lot of bad stuff about that one. 12, it's kind of like depending on what version you're playing, it's good or bad. Sure. And then, of course, there are the great ones that stand out. You know, 10, 6, 7, 1 even for me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would disagree. I, I, I feel like it's anything but consistent. We can disagree. I mean, you can be wrong. It's okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm okay with being wrong. I'm, uh... Yeah, I know you are. You're used to it by now, I think. <laughs> All <laughs> right. So our next top five is going to be uh, kind of what we were just talking about. Most in- inconsistent franchises. Ones that have had uh, very good and very bad games in them. Send them to mail at classicgamingpodcast.com if you want to send us your uh, 
most inconsistent franchises lists. And with that, we'll do emails. Sounds good. Oh, it's, it's weird getting back into Twitter, by the way. It's it. Uh, oh, I right. You've been doing. You've been, yeah, you've been I started getting back into a little more. Just um, I know a couple of different people that I've wanted to talk to for a while, and so I started getting back on it and talking with with um, some people I've talked about. And I will say I cleaned up a lot of people that were that I was following because holy shit! <laughs> and I think no offense to anybody in particular, but there are specific people that I fo- that I was following back from when we used to work and stuff, and it was like, oh, like this person's super negative, or but they're ouch. just really. <laughs> really stupid or or <laughs> it just like kind of I, I would scroll through and i'm like man i have looked at this person four times and every single time i'm just like what are they talking about so um yeah i started following some some new people especially with mma and stuff because you know you and i both watch ufc um and it's been pretty enjoyable it's been interesting to see um i i like it a little bit more than reddit i still obviously surf reddit quite a bit but it's it's uh it's a different take for from reddit i feel like so i've been enjoying it so far yeah definitely so when you <laughs> it was funny when you you posted something just out of nowhere oh, yeah. a week ago or so and somebody was like holy shit jay's on jay said something yeah <laughs> yeah it was funny because uh, i had a bunch of messages from people and i was responding back to them and they're like sorry what did i say to you again and i'm like i have to copy paste they messaged me in like 2018 or 2017 like <laughs> oh. asking about different things and i'm like i respond back i'm like hey i'm really sorry you know just kind of want ma for a while um you know here's what i think about this and they're like okay <laughs> <laughs> two years later you're like oh here yeah this is what i think that's pretty funny Okay, first email is from uh, James. Uh, James, comma, a Hoosier is what he says, is how he uh, signs his email. He says, um, hey, fellas, I'm a new listener. Ah, thanks, James. And I'm enjoying what you are putting out there. Alex of SNES Drunk pointed me your way. Yep, thank you. Shout out to him and Travis on the Drunk Friend podcast. They're also doing great work. And I was surprised and delighted to hear your recent guest appearance there, Rob. It was fun to listen to your experienced podcasting advice for novice podcaster Alex, as well as your guitar stories. I think it would be neat to have him back, or better yet, him and Travis both on your show. Yes, I agree. We definitely need to have uh, both of them, both of them on the show. And uh, I'm glad that you like that episode, uh, James. And also, it's really weird um, because. Uh, so Jay, when I was on, um, I, I'm not sure if you've listened to it yet, but I was, when I was on a uh, drunk friend, Alex was asking me a lot of podcasting stuff and it was sort of in the vein of, Oh, well you're a podcasting expert. Cause you've been doing it for fucking, there's nothing further from the truth. No. Yeah. Six years <laughs> or whatever. And it, exactly. There's nothing further from the truth. I basically am just winging it every single episode. And um, so it's very weird to have him or James or anybody consider me knowledgeable in the realm of podcasting and, you know, asking for podcasting advice or saying, oh man, you've been, you know, I can't believe how, how well you guys have gotten this down after having so much experience I definitely don't feel like that, and I and I assume it's the same for you, Jay. Hundred percent. No, I appreciate that for sure. Yeah, oh yeah, I definitely hundred percent appreciate it. But it's just it's always funny to hear because I mean, still, 
every episode, I feel like there's so much more. I, I feel like I could do so much, even as, not even just in the episodes, but even just as far as the way I record the episode. Like I'm just getting the audio from my own computer and sometimes yep. I accidentally have little pop-up like little dings go off in the background and when I even when I edit it in audacity I just kind of do a shit like fast job of just trying to make sure our volumes are roughly the same and then I just go with it it's um yeah I definitely don't feel like anything close to an expert but uh but I'm glad that some people do hopefully that means Hopefully that's a. I guess that's a good. I guess that's good, right? So I would think so. so yeah. yeah. Uh. So yes, yeah, so I, I think it would be fun to have Alex back. We would definitely have Alex back on, and and at this point, yes, definitely Travis as well too. I think it'd be uh, fun to have both of them on. Rob, he says a few episodes back, you mentioned having an insight into a game. I forget which one. Uh, uh during church. I don't remember this either. I rarely hear creators. I do remember this. Do you? What was it? Yeah, vaguely. Huh. He says, I rarely hear creators talk about religion, and it got me thinking about religion in video games. It seems pretty rare for games to have a nuanced or interesting treatment of religion. Fire Emblem Three Houses comes close with its background story of ancient gods and saints and the corrupted church that formed after their golden age. Uh, The Banner Saga is also decent, with the characters making their way through a world where the gods have mysteriously died or been killed. Does anything spring to mind in your experience of retro games? What games have interesting religions, religious characters, or religious themes? Alternatively, can you think of games where religion is conspicuously absent, misunderstood, or otherwise badly represented? I propose a top five list, top five games with interesting religions slash religious themes. Interesting religions or, or a unique aspect or unique perspectives on religions is a tough one because generally, I mean, to his point, there's a lot of tropes that are utilized. The, the first one that comes to mind for me is tactics. You know, you have this the, you know, this religious group who basically is utilizing um, the power that they have. They're basically abusing power, right? Which is no surprise. There's some sketchy shit that the church is doing, but at the same time, there are those devout followers that they just believe in what they believe in and they don't want anything to do with it. But then it finds out that it goes a little bit deeper and it's like, I I feel like that's not a unique perspective, but I'm trying to think of what would be a unique Definitely the best use of religion in a game is Super 3D Noah's Ark where it's a Wolfenstein clone (laughs) and you're shooting food at goats to make them fall asleep. I mean, sounds good to me. Now, this is a really good question, James, and I don't, I'm sorry, but I really just don't think I have a good answer. I can't think of any game that really does e- either of these sides of the coin. I definitely can't think of any that treat religion in an interesting or powerful way, but I don't really know how you would. I don't know of any... Generally, it boils down to a couple different things that I've seen across a lot of games. There are, there are some games that have some pretty good masks over it that it takes you a while to kind of dissect it and digest it to a point okay. to be able to water it down. So I think it is a, it's, it's a great question, but it is very challenging because, I mean, to your point, for me, it's like I'm trying to think of anything that would be relatable to this topic. I mean, even in other mediums, I don't know if – I mean, I guess That's out of out of – any artistic work that I can think of that's not, you know, an explicitly religious Renaissance painting or something like that. 
Um, the Last Temptation of Christ is a really damn good movie. But, like, that's all that I can think of. And especially when it comes to games, I, there's just nothing. Yeah. It's uh, a great question. But yeah, so very good question. Good and likewise, I can't think of any that treat it poorly either. I mean, there are some where it's there and it's just not impactful, good or bad, you know? Um, I think he's maybe asking from the perspective of the game is driving a, an agenda with it because I would say in gaming, in my experience, more often than not, religion is considered a bad thing if that makes yeah, sense that's probably like, true you know you're probably right i'm sure over i'm sure in most cases it probably is yeah it's used as a form of uh not not a form of but but a place where uh, a place that's been corrupted yeah right it's, it's it's used as something as a staple of society that has been corrupted in some way yeah, and, and it's used to justify an awful situation. Exactly, it's used to justify, and, I mean, <laughs> justify terrible things, which, I mean, honestly, that's fair, right? You know, you can't sure. blame them for taking it that direction. Ten, uh, ten, 10 does a, for me, was, was I was very young when Final Fantasy X came out. Uh, I was uh, 15-ish, 16. Uh, and I was going through that phase where I was really starting to, like, question and become very, like, arrogant and, and and uh, religion was one of the things that, that in my mind I like made up was just like this stupid thing that people who are stupid used. And mm-hmm. Final Fantasy X like hit it home perfectly because it was spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Um, Final Fantasy X is is this perspective that everybody's okay that every so often some a, a a person is chosen or they choose to go on this very challenging and different difficult pilgrimage that usually the people who are involved end up dying along the way, but the person who achieves victory makes it to the end is literally sacrificing themselves to this God. We'll call it God in order to save everybody else. It's basically sacrificing a few for the many. And it's, it's the, even the main character goes on this, this quest to basically say, fuck that and then destroys it. And, you know, they're trying to find a secondary way. So it's basically questioning beliefs that have been around for X, for a very long, a long period of time in order to keep people safe. And for me, that was like the first time and I was like, oh shit, like that was the first time that I really recognized in video gaming um, as a medium that, you know, that kind of aligned with that. So, Huh, interesting. So that may be kind of a good one, I guess, but yeah, I just... That's a very, it's a very common trope though, right? It's like yeah, you're right, people it are is. stupid it... because they follow this this path without blindly, right? Exactly. We're sacrificing people. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's a unique perspective, but for me, it, it hit home and it's like, the way that, that Titus goes about it is, is exactly how I would want to go about it at that age. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, James. Yeah. Like Jay said, I, I think it's a very good question. I just don't think there's a good answer to it, or at least not one that I can think of. <clears throat> um, he says, moving on my top five, most consistently high quality quality franchises. This list leans heavily toward Nintendo since that is where I hang my gaming hat. I thought it would be fun to see if my rankings were reflected in the series Metacritic scores, which they largely were. So I've included the point spread between highest and lowest scoring games. Oh, that's interesting. That's this should be fun, as well as excuse me, as well as average scores from the site. Note that Metacritic only goes back to around the turn of the millennium, so older games in these <laughs> franchises might have been scored in remake form only or not at all. Data 
and atta- he even attached a spreadsheet with all the information. Damn, James. All right. Uh, number five, Fire Emblem. Point spread, 14. Average score, 85. The early, I really like how he's got the, how he's got like the, the, qu- the quantitative data on this. Uh, the, the early games in this series miss the Metacritic cut, but they have a reputation for being good to great with many core fans listing early entries like Thrasia 776 and genealogy of the Holy war, uh, as their all time favorites. This is the longest running series to make my list with 16 core entries across 30 years. And it's got an undeniably impressive run. My favorites are Three Houses for Switch and Sacred Stones for the Game Boy Advance. If there are inconsistencies in quality, I think they can mostly be chalked up to the age of the series, which makes early entries seem unrefined by modern standards. Number four, Halo. Point spread 14, average score 90. Ah, Halo. The original and its two sequels remain hallowed classics. All entries share highly polished multiplayer, uh, though consistency across the single-player campaigns is a little less clear-cut. But a world, but what a world that single-player builds! Bug nuts, yes, but <laughs> what? But undeniably arresting an epic. I don't know what bug nuts means. But undeniably arresting an epic. The Covenant's religion might make this series a contender for a top five games with interesting religions list. Number three, Mario Kart. Okay, I thought about this one, but I've played too few of the Mario Kart games percentage-wise to to feel like I could confidently make a statement on this one. This was on my list along with Mario Party originally, and then I realized that for me, both of these franchises have some very questionable titles. Okay, okay. Fuck that. Yeah, that was... uh, So Mario Kart 1 is great. Mario Kart 64 is fine. Mario Kart 8 is awesome. I've also played uh, 7, which is on DS, and that's awesome. But I've also played the one on Wii, which I didn't like. And then there are too many others that I haven't played. So already it was a little bit shaky, and I just didn't feel confident about going with this one. But he says, Mario Kart, point spread 11, average score 88. What a great franchise. I will note that Super Mario Kart, the, uh, the original, does not make the Metacritic cut, but still holds up, and that the best Mario Kart double dash is criminally underrated with just 87 Metacritic points. Hunter Shane, really likes that game. Yeah. I've heard a lot of good stuff about Double Dash. That, that'll that probably, that, that I'll say, will definitely, next time I play a new Mario Kart game, that, that would be it. Because I've heard really good things about it. Uh, for shame, Mario Kart Tour on mobile is excluded from consideration for this list, and I won't bother justifying that. Uh, two, 3D Legend of Zelda. Okay, so everything, pa- so everything only in the 3D era. Point spread, 6. Average score, 96. Wow. Zelda has long since separated into two streams, 2D and 3D. The 2D stuff is fun, but for my money, the 3D Zelda entries are where the true consistency lies. Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, and Breath of the Wild all belong on all-time greats lists, in or outside their genre. And while I can't speak to Skyward Sword from experience, it's undoubtedly polished and good in many places in spite of some of its eccentricities. Number one, 3D Super Mario. Point spread five, average score 95. Can there be any doubt that the 3D Mario games are the most consistently consistently 
excellent games. It's a good argument. Sixty-four. You have Mario 64, you have Sunshine, Galaxies, and you have the most recent one. It's a very and also the point. the games that are called Mario like Mario 3D World and Mario 3D Land those are fantastic. I actually don't know those titles. I've never played those titles. Oh, they're both really good. One is on 3DS and one is on Wii. Oh, and then there's the okay. Mario. Oh, I guess those would be 2D. The Mario is like Mario and Luigi. Super Mario, the new Super Mario Adventures, whatever. Um, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't. See, I I thought about this, but I haven't played Galaxy or. Sunshine. Um, Hunter just played through Sunshine again, or he's playing through it now. <laughs> really? Such a great game. I, I, I could play it again this year. It's so good. It, it is. If you said Mario 64, it had a good uh, game that followed it, I would say no way. But he plays Sunshine, you're like, this is a damn good, uh, good shot. I, I will say it's not as... Um, Mario 64 to me has like a special element, like a chemical X, if you will, that makes it just better. By, by I can't even give a measurable standard. Sunshine is a very strong uh, competitor to it. It is a very, very good game. Right, I cool. recommend. Great, great GameCube game. Sweet. He says, uh, can there be any doubt that the 3D Mario games are the most consistently excellent games? As with Zelda, I am treating these as separate, as separate from their 2D brethren. Even the lowest. Smart. That's a good way to approach it. Yeah. Even the lowest rated on the list, Super Mario Sunshine 92 on Metacritic, is a stone cold classic. But just look yeah. at the list Super Mario 64, which basically invented 3D gaming, Super Mario Galaxy, a game so good the extra levels were made into a sequel that was also outrageously good, top it off with 3D World, a gem, and Odyssey, a joyous tribute to the series' roots and vision yeah. for its future, and you have a picture of true greatness. Really strong argument. I like the way you break it out into just the 3D Marios as well, because it is such a broad stroke to say across all the different Mario titles. Honorable mentions, 2D Legend of Zelda. I don't know about that one. Cause you got I enjoy a lot of the 2D ones. I, I, I mean, I think there are definitely some questionable ones, but there's some really strong titles that come from that what time. Else is, so what is there? There's the first one, obviously. There's the second um, one, and then there's you have the... Or, you have Seasons and Oracles. Um, you have... Oh, the, I have, there was a bunch of I Game haven't Boy played ones. those. Okay. Oh, that's right. The Game Boy one, those. And then there's obviously Link to the Past, which a lot of people love. Okay, yeah. I, I was... I could only think of Link to the Past, the original, and the second one. And out so of those, you have NES, NES, and Mobile, or Game Boy, and all three. Yeah, I forgot. Uh, about at Game least Boy. the SNES and GBB ones, I think, are really good. I mean, the original Zelda is great, but you know. Second one, he says, two D, two D Super Mario. Um, point spread sixteen, average score eighty seven. See, I don't know about this one either. He says both of these are a little too consistent to make the cut, but undeniably great nonetheless. Okay, two D Super Mario. You've got. Mario 1, 2, 3, right? That, that's basically it. Two. Oh, what about Super Mario World? The, oh, the, I'm the, sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, okay, okay. Super one. Mario. Okay, yeah, yeah. In that case, I can see that. Do you, count, do you count the original Mario Brothers game where you're bouncing on the turtles in the one level? I would think... Oh, I mean, well, you mean like he the says, game or whatever? Yeah, he says... Well, okay, well, he says Super Mario, and that one's just called Mario Brothers. So I guess he's like, excluding that from this... From this list but for me for me super mario okay first off i i, I wouldn't have split it up just because i didn't think of that so i would have just taken all the mario games and for me yes pretty consistent overall but uh then there's there's stuff like mario 2 
Mario Brothers. Um, well, I guess that's it. And I, like I said, I haven't played Sunshine or Galaxy, so I so I can't comment on those. So yeah, I guess Mario is a solid uh, is a solid one for this for for this type of list. And then his last honorable mention: Sid Meier's Civilization. <laughs> uh, point spread six, average score ninety one. This I one love def- the point score. I do. Spread. This one definitely has the numbers, but I've only played two entries. Okay, yeah, I'm kind of same with me. I've only played two entries in the series, four and five, so I feel like I can't reasonably include it on my list. Still, what a consistent series. Good for you, Sid. Thanks again for your work and words, gentlemen. Looking forward to joining you on beautiful. Oh, nice. He's going to do beautiful Joe. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh. Thanks. Uh, looking forward to joining you on beautiful Joe in a few weeks. Until then, take care. Peace, James. A Hoosier. James, thank you so much. Uh, we hope you stay around. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, and welcome, and um, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're going to be writing your thoughts about Beautiful Joe. Uh, I think this is going to be a fun one, and uh, yeah, that'll be next episode. So so thanks again. We're looking forward to it. Okay, Jay, uh, you want to read this one from from Jeffrey? Sure, I'd be happy to. Let me link so, you. I'm on the email thing already, so just let me oh, Okay, go for it. Okay. Uh, from Jeffrey, it says, hey, bros. So I was going to let this slide, but after Rob cucked Jay into appearing on Snestron's <laughs> podcast and slandered Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball yet again, I had to email in. While Robbo, great name, uh, does have a valid complaint about the camera angles, the gameplay is not that hard. It's basic beach volleyball. Bump, set, spike. Which is to say, don't just try to return the ball. You bump it up into the air, then use your second player to set up the first player to spike the ball. Now, I'm not saying it is a great game, but the volleyball matches were decent, and it never had too much of a problem. I didn't even know your partner could leave you. You are bad <laughs> and you feel bad, Rob. In other words, get good. Uh, the game where you jumped onto on the floaties in the pool was the most efficient way to earn money in my experience and was pretty mindless, so I did a lot of that. I don't want to admit I played a lot of this mediocre game, but let's just say Kasume ended up buying every bathing suit in the game, even the one made out of diamonds. Uh-huh, um, it's cool, man. Not every game works for everyone. When I played this, it was a pure honey pop uh, world. It was a like pre, they say, pre-honey God. pop. Oh, pre, thank you. Pre-honey pop world. Uh, like they say, different strokes for different folks. Strokes? See what I did there? God damn it. Okay, I just, I guess I just really, really suck at this game because I, I had so much trouble. I won a couple matches out of all the ones that I played. So I, I don't know. I just am terrible at this game, I guess. Eh, you're used to it by now. Yeah. Uh, Jeff goes on to say, so I don't know if this could be a top five, and if so, refrain from discussing too much. Are there games that you get more enjoyment thinking about after the fact than you do while playing them? Or maybe just that you find yourself thinking a, about a lot when you aren't playing them. This could go a few ways. Like like how Jay has mentioned thinking about PvP games after losses and reflecting on what he should do, uh, what he should have done differently, or it could have to do with some sort of storyline in the game. Dark Souls isn't a classic by your standards, but the characters and story are so obtuse and told indirectly that I often uh, I often get more out of YouTube videos than in the game. Usually, I feel this more often about novels or fantasy series, but Neon Genesis Evangelion fits into this category for me, and so do some Bob Dylan songs. That's it. I'm done, Jeffrey. That's interesting. I, I definitely have thought about this. Uh, there are certain aspects of games you're kind of talking about. I will usually, at least, is really good about this because I'll, I'll say, "Oh, I really enjoyed this game. I really enjoyed the show," and I'll tell her about it. And Lisa's so quick to identify plot holes or things that like just don't fully make sense, and then it helps me to kind of um, break it down to my mind and say, "Like, oh, I wonder why they did this, or maybe why they didn't do this." Especially for games where it's like um, where you have a lot of dialogue, like a lot of written dialogue. It always 
it always um, bugs, bugs me when they when they put like really uh, convoluted arcs in place that they don't back up with with any sort of um, either character development or just kind of overall making sense. And it's I struggle for that, especially with older games where they had a lot of text at their disposal to where like they they overintroduce complex topics and don't explain them well and don't end up closing them up well. I usually think like Final Fantasy X is a fucking prime example. When that game ends, you have to go on the Wikipedia page and read about it for three hours before you fully understand what the fuck you just, <laughs> what, what you just played. What happened? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's actually insanely bizarre. Ten, 10 is that game for me. I spent a lot of time reading after the fact and thinking about it and like trying to align it in my mind to say, like, this makes sense. But it really doesn't until you do a lot of extra work. So uh, top five for me would be challenging. There aren't too many games that interest yeah. me enough. Usually, like, if I get to a certain point where I'm like, this is this doesn't make sense to me, I'm just like, this game's stupid. And then I just forget about it. Or I'm just like, I try not to think super far into it because it's just not there. Huh. Yeah. Um... Yeah. I don't know if I really have a I good one. Huh. I don't know if I have a good one for this one. To some extent, maybe Earthbound. Um, yeah, Earthbound's a good example. Yeah, but I don't know if I really have any others besides that. I mean, he mentions Neon Genesis Evangelion, and I guess yeah, you know, outside of the games, that's that's one that I would also count. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I could do a good list on this. Yeah, it would be challenging for me as well. So it's a good, it's a good call out. I like it, but it would be. I feel like I would have to bullshit a lot of it. It just there wouldn't be enough there. There's, I'd have to fluff them up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I can fluff it a little bit. Yeah, reminds uh, me of your father. Uh, is that, oh, okay, okay, yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Oh, he's got a follow up. Here, why don't you take the follow up? Sure, I'd be happy to. Jeff says Robert sucks. Oh. No, I'm kidding. Um, Jeff says, second email, much shorter, I promise. Just played Dear Esther, oh. uh, and a uh, and a while, I thought that the environment and atmosphere of the game was awesome, and it most mostly just left me out cold. I was surprised it was as short as it was, because early on it hinted at a depth I didn't feel was ultimately fulfilled. I grasped the gist of the narrative's uh, past very early on, and the ending seemed obvious to me. Spoilers, spoilers for 10 seconds, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Although the shadow of the goal was a nice touch, I think there was more, uh, I suppose, to divine from the references to Damascus, uh, the paintings of some chemical, and the story of Jacobson. But honestly, it seemed like a fragment, fragmented thoughts of a man at the end of his rope. What did you guys like so much about it? Maybe walking sims just aren't for me. Uh, that's what they call these types of games, right? Um, I, you're going to have to touch on this. This isn't something that I know. I, I don't yeah. better play this game, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's a good question, Jeff. I agree. It's I, I, I don't quite understand the game from a literal perspective i don't understand the story too much i've played it twice and by the way um when you play it a lot of the uh of the narration that you get from from the character you're playing as uh is it's not different in a contradictory sense but you get different pieces of the of what he's talking about so you know as you're playing he's kind of having memories of his wife and uh this chemist uh and a couple other other things, and uh, when you play it, but those are all kind of to some extent randomized. Again, there's nothing that conflicts; they all make sense in the story, and they all point to the whatever the same thing is that they're pointing to. Whatever that thing is, they're all pointing to the same thing. But you'll get different pieces of it as you play through at different times. So there's that. That's part of it. But to answer your question, I don't really understand 
you know, literally what they're talking about. But for me, it was just an extremely moving story. Hearing the way that the narrator was talking about the things that had happened and, uh, and all these other kind of surrounding circumstances and, and the music, which was absolutely, I, I think is, I think this has one of the best soundtracks ever in a video game. The music was extremely moving <clears throat> for me. All of that stuff was kind of, uh, so it kind of was so emotionally resonant that I didn't even really care too much if the, uh, if the plot made sense and I didn't even worry about going and looking it up afterward because I was just, uh, I was just moved by it and I, I didn't really, I care. can understand that. Yeah. I didn't really I actually tell you, I can understand that. Okay, good. I'm glad that you kind of know what I'm yeah. talking about. Cause I didn't really care what the ultimate an- what, what the answer was what the real meaning of it was what the what actually happened but i just really i just really felt it strongly i think would be yeah, the answer. I, I totally get that and, and this is what i was going to talk about before is like when i talk to things about least like i'll feel very strong about a game or like a tv series and i'll talk to her about it and it's like even though there may be some like pretty pretty decent plot holes in like the main uh the main issue or the main conflict i still like i'm just like i don't care like it, it, it's like spoilers but attack on titan attack on titan to me i don't think the ending's bad or bad by any means or or what what the the ultimate reveal is so far uh but i think that the road there for that is so emotionally gripping and dark that i just i love it i could watch it over and over and over so awesome um yeah i can totally understand that sentiment um another similar one for me was uh it's not quite the same but in kind of a similar way the first time I ever watched 2001 a space odyssey oh uh, yeah is that one of your favorite movies it's my favorite movie yes okay um, I had no idea what ha- what had just happened, what I had just witnessed, but I was absolutely enthralled by it. And I didn't even care that I didn't understand. The movie was so moving, I just couldn't stop. This kind of goes back to your previous question. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And not even yep. in a sense, like, it wasn't even that, oh, I have to make sense of this. It was just, holy shit, that was amazing. I don't know what happened, but I just know that I loved it. Have you watched No Country for Old Men? Yeah, yeah. That's oh, that's kind of similar that. in a way, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, for me, I was exactly going to say it. So I watched <laughs> it when I was younger, and I didn't get it. And um, you know, it, totally understandable. Not not why I didn't get it, but I watched it this past year, the past six months. I loved it. I, I love Coen Brothers movies in general. I watched. Uh, I really enjoy a lot of their movies, and this is one that I hadn't haven't seen in a long time. Oh my god! After I finished watching, it was like I had to watch YouTube videos to explain certain parts of, it, especially the ending, right? Because it, it it's kind of abrupt. Uh, but yeah, catches you off guard. Um, but I, I think it's it's such a great movie, and it's like the, the more I read about it, and the more depth there was to it, and all these different um, perspectives that, that different people had out, but after watching the movie. I was like, oh yeah, I didn't think about that. And, oh yeah, I didn't think about that. And it's another movie that I've watched a few times since, and I still really enjoy. It and I I catch things uh, that I didn't catch the first few times through. Oh man, another one that's exactly like that. That is another one of my favorite movies ever. Is another Coen Brothers movie. It's the man who wasn't there. I I've never seen that movie. Holy shit! I highly recommend it. It fits okay. this. I, I I think as far like this this topic that we're talking about, I think it fits even better than No, no Country for Old Men. The first okay. time I saw it, I was like, "That was fucking amazing." I was like, "I don't know what the point was." It's yeah, not, isn't that kind of weird? it's, it's kind not of cryptic a, almost. Yeah, it's not a hard yeah. movie to follow plot wise, but at the end, you're kind of like. Scratching your head a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like what? Like okay, so what? But, but, but just the way that it felt watching it, the the music, the just kind of the artistic nature of it, the kind of some things about it seemed kind of archetypal in a way that I couldn't quite put my finger on. It is 
I was like, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen, and I really wow. don't know why. Yeah, I really like a lot of the movies. I've, I watched, I've seen Oh Brother Wilder a thousand times, but I, I love that movie. It, it is mm-hmm. it is such a unique movie, and every time I watch it, I just appreciate it. Yeah, It, it is so perfect for what it is. Awesome. Anyways, All right. totally off topic. Thank you. Oh, he's got, uh, Jeff has a little bit more, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Jeff goes on to say, I love reading novels, but never cared for short stories, so maybe that's my disconnect. Um, he closes out by saying, don't have a top five for consistent series, but I would say Breath of Fire and Suikoden deserve credit as far as RPG goes. Suikoden 5, or Suikoden 4 sucks, excuse me, but the others are great. Uh, Jeffrey. All right. So. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you, thank you. Next, great question. Uh, Jonathan's back in the house. Oh, yeah. Jonathan says, his house, so. <laughs> what's up, guys? Thought I'd chime Hello. in this week and talk about enjoying listening to Rob guest star on SNES Drunk's podcast. Rob and Alex. Famous. I know. Now I am, finally. Uh, Rob and Alex discussed how each other, how each letter should be spelled. Oh, okay. So he wrote S-N-E-S Drunks Podcast. Rob and Alex discussed how each letter should be spelled out when said back in uh, episode 51. Oh, that's right. Because I was like, do you say SNES or S-N-E-S? I remember that. Uh, how do I know this? Because episode 51 was the first episode that Alex came aboard and was your first guest host. However, your first guests were technically Ron Gilbert and Gary Winnick. You had them on for episode 26 and interviewed them for an upcoming Kickstarter. That's trivia. <laughs> for an upcoming Kickstarter. Yes, that was the Thimbleweed Park Kickstarter. This was a talking point during the podcast, a podcast that Jay wasn't there for. I mean, come on, Jay. You are yeah. the glue guy. Oh, trust me. I regret that more than missing any episode that I did back in the day. That was the one I regretted most. <laughs> really? But I will say at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. I, after listening to it after the fact, it seemed like such a fun conversation. But I will say I'm so happy that you, Rob, got the opportunity to do that because I know how important it was to you. And I feel like if I had um, if I had similar guests on that, that – were a part of you know projects that I was as passionate about as you are. I would not want anybody else on there because I would want the focal <laughs> attention to be on me. So. I was I was definitely not expecting a shout out from the drunk cast, but I'm glad that my antics have made such an impact <laughs> on your lives. So about halfway through, I started counting. I remember Rob saying he wished I had counted separately between his and Vaughn's use of the word like when I oh, counted no. last. Oh no. So this time I thought I'd I'd oblige. So let's play a little game. Jay, one of the hosts, Rob or Alex, said the word like 135 times, while the other said it just a mere 61 times. Can you guess? Over the course of how long? An hour and a half, Rob? Well, he said he started counting halfway through. Uh, So about 45 minutes. Okay, I'm going to guess that you said like... I'm going to be nice here, Rob, and I'm going to say... No, you definitely said it the 100-plus times. Sorry. It's got to be you. I'm assuming so. But at the same time, I think since he's asking, I wonder if it's because there's a suchiru he's about to pull. Uh, uh, He's... Okay, he's going to give... I think he's going to save the answer for a second. He says, question of the week. Rob mentioned someone won a contest and guest starred on the podcast. Who was that listener? No, seriously, I don't remember and don't want to listen to your library a fourth time well i mean i want to i just can't find the time and that said i did go back while doing a bit of research for this email wow what a fun time that alone in the chaos intro oh yeah Uh uh-huh rob's finding of himself and blake's antics really take you back crazy how long you guys have been at this now 
Speaking of great franchises that consistent that continuously produce quality content. Wink, wink. Ah, oh, thanks. Thank Get you. out. Um, you guys are great. Keep it up. Okay, so so oh, what was so who was the listener? It was Tommy. Do you remember that? Yeah, Jay? yeah, I do. Uh, it was Tommy. He used to write in frequently, and um, he won the contest that we had. So uh, it was Tommy that came on for an episode. So he says, you guys are great. Keep it up. Oh, and it was Alex. That's right. Believe it or not, Rob said like far fewer times than his host that day. Later. Does that, surpri- that surprises me. That's a, I think it surprises everybody. Okay. Well, thank you, Jonathan. Howdy, Robert. Uh, let's see. We, we got... Okay. I'll do, um, I'll do the next one and leave you chase the night cleaner. Sounds good. Next one is from Will C. He says, Hey, Jay and Roberto, first time caller, long time listener. I'll Hello. start by saying thank, thanks for this podcast. It brings back some memories from more innocent times. I'll be honest. I actually didn't start listening to you guys till September. I'm sorry. I don't know why. I don't know why I read that as September until November of 2019. I started from the very first episode. Big surprise. And I'm all I, caught up. How do people make it through? I don't know. Anyway, sorry. I stopped asking myself that question a long time ago. Here's a funny... Whenever people say that, I'm just like, really? (laughs) Here's a funny... Before I got uh, acquainted with your guys' voices, I sampled the latest episode at the time, and I thought to myself, these two guys sound cool, so I went back to episode one. To my surprise, there were three of you. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. So I kept listening for weeks and weeks, wondering, (laughs) here we go, what happened to the third guy in the later episodes? The whole whole time I kept hoping it wasn't Blake. I got into, (laughs) well, he wrote Blake that got booted. I got into the 2017 episodes and Jay kept showing up late and sometimes not at all. There was hope. Then the day came, no more Blake. Hello, changed attitude Jay, the true host, comes out. I don't know if I noticed a change. I don't know if there was a change to attitude in general. Oh, there definitely was. Oh, okay. Yeah. For, for better or worse, I did, there there's some things that changed, yeah. Okay, sure. okay. Um, the true co-host comes out. From then on, I haven't heard a single sigh when Metal Gear is mentioned. Well, it's not so much that. I mean, I, I still scoff when robert does certain things but no i mean realistically we robert and i've been doing this for for many years now and and, you know when we initially first started doing it we had really we didn't really have a like we didn't really decide like the quality that we wanted to do so it was like this thing that i enjoyed doing every so often but i was also living with other people and very frequently people like oh do you want to do this like go out and do all this stuff so you know, you, you, there are certain things that change. And then at the time I was doing, I was working nights. I was working in esports, and esports was very uh, volatile. So it was like I would last minute get pulled into things or be asked to cover things. And life just kind of happens. But as, as years have gone on, life's settled down a lot. I've been able to take it a little more seriously. Um, I've dealt, dealt with a lot of sound issues. I know there were a lot of sound issues early on that I hopefully, Robert and I had some, had some trouble, issues trouble tonight. tonight. Yeah. Well, but they weren't the type of sound issues that, that I feel like we had back then. So no, no, no. I feel, I'm, hoping um that it's improved but we're able to take care of these these sound issues before we start recording (laughs) yeah yeah that's very true yeah hopefully fingers crossed we can fix this so that we have something a little bit better going forward as well yeah yep um by the way jay i live in arizona also we can fight about it once summer is over many loves we can fight about it oh i hope you live a little bit further north than i do because it is uh 
going to get hot here very soon. It so. is. On to games. I've had a JRPG itch the past few months. Mm-hmm. I made a new rule to myself. I had to beat a game to buy a game. I picked ah! Final I picked Final Fantasy IX from my library. Cool. And finished that in no time. Best Final Fantasy game, by the way. Ooh, that's a bold... It's a Wait. really fun game. I've, I've talked about it numerous times. It's a really, really great Final Fantasy title. I'll be interested once I get there. Um, he says, but that just intensified my cravings. First, but I, I'm going to stop just real quick. Do you ever have a, have you ever like set yourself limits on, okay, I'm not allowed to buy any new yeah. games. Do you? Okay. I yeah. do that. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, thought, no, no. You go ahead. Well, I was just going to say I do that, but I don't do it one game at a time I do I don't do it until I realize I've gone overboard and I'm playing six games at once and then I have to say okay you're not allowed to start a new game until you finish you know three of what you're actually playing right now does that happen with you um not so much so like you you know historically I've always been very vocal I don't buy a whole lot of games but in the last couple years I've purchased a lot more games and they're not necessarily always the cheapest games like I bought um no Man's Sky, which, no, no offense, was kind of a waste of money. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I kind of wish I didn't buy it. It, it, it. And it's no offense to the game or, or people who like it. If you like it, you know, great. I mean, but my, my point of bringing this up, there are certain titles that I buy, and I'm like, I play it for like a week, and I'm like, ah, this is, this is not really my style. Um, I just wish I was more patient in waiting for things to go on sale. I generally do. In the last year or so, I've gotten a little bit more... Um, just kind of lazy, and I'll just, I'll just end up buying things. Um... More so, the things that I buy are, are generally things that are, are multiplayer games that I want to play with other people. I, I generally uh, flock to whatever is the most popular game within my, my like close group of friends. So if they're like buying like Warcraft, I told you I ended up unfortunately getting Warcraft, which was it worth it? Kind of, I guess. But at the same time, <laughs> from a morality standpoint, it was frustrating. Yeah. Um, I didn't have to pay for it, so that helped a lot. But um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with this, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um, he says, uh, okay, so he says, but that, okay, so Final Fantasy Nine, um, that Good just title. intensified my cravings. I ended up picking up Dragon Quest XI. That's supposed to be really good. I had never played a Dragon Quest game before, but it looked interesting because I know Hero from Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Oh man, I couldn't stop playing it. 10 out of 10. I got to go back and play the other ones now. It's funny. I feel that I haven't played it yet, but I've heard such good things that now I want to start at the beginning and play <laughs> play through them. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I have a feeling I'm probably not going to end up doing every one, but I would like to eventually play Dragon Quest XI because sure. yeah, it's supposed to be really good. He says, I'm currently playing Trials of Mana and I'm very oh, wow. much having a blast with this one. What do you guys think about all these remakes coming out with so much hype? It seems to be what everyone wants. Is new gaming dead? I personally can't think of a new franchise or title I'm stoked for. All I want is Diablo 2 Remaster. So so a couple pieces. I think I think everything, there, there are a lot of uh, parts of what you just said are true. I do think remasters, remakes are very popular right now because for people um, that have the same kind of gaming interest as me... Uh, the newer titles and the newer genres that are very prevalent right now, such as like, Mo- uh, not MOBAs, I'm sorry. Um, what are they called? Like Fortnite. What are those games called? categorized as? Online Battle Arenas? Oh, yeah. Um, 
I know what you're talking about, but I don't know. It doesn't know. matter. Yeah. But you, you guys know what I'm talking about. Right. Like, th- those type of genres don't reach, I feel like, people like us of a certain age group. So I think the remasters are an attempt to try and capture that audience. Because I've said this to Lisa before. I think there's a large segment of the gaming population that is not being addressed right now. Um, and I think the remasters are an attempt to do that. Now, I will say the thing that frustrates me about it is when the remasters are done very lazily, <laughs> Blizzard, um, and done in a way that is kind of almost disrespectful. They're basically just saying, like, fine, we'll do it. We're not going to spend a lot of resources and time doing it, but we'll do it and then, you know, kind of complain about it after the fact. Um, there is rumor and speculation that D2 is being remake, remade. They Apparently, Blizzard hired a number of developers in the last couple months, and the, it, it is rumored that the project they're working on is a remake for Diablo 2 and something else. Um, I don't remember what it was specifically, so um, I don't know if you share sentiments, Rob. I can't think of, it's It's... <laughs> No, I don't think new gaming is dead by any means. But, I mean, it is a fair question because, <clears throat> hell, I can't think of any games that I've been playing recently that are not, you know, out of my, out of the, out of of modern games that I've been playing. Yeah, I can't they think they of... may not reach us, right? It's kind of dead to us, in a way. The, I mean, there are not many titles that I'm excited about. I mean, we talked about Super Mario, uh, Paper Mario, sorry. Paper Mario I'm excited about. I'm very excited about. Animal Crossing was fun. It's like so many titles and they come out. I definitely get excited about them, but not nearly as much. But as those, I used to. but even those are just sequels. That, that's true. Oh yeah, see what you're saying. Oh yeah, that's very true. I've been playing Civ Six. I've been playing for the Final Fantasy VII remake. I've been playing a little bit of Final Fantasy XIV still. Um, Valorant. Valorant's a cool game, but it's not really anything long term. It's just kind of you know jump in and do a couple matches, log off type thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess in the in the indie space, which I do play a, quite a bit, there you know, obviously most of that stuff is original because you know they're, they're not doing remakes or anything. I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I, I don't think I agree with that. Although I do have to admit that most of the modern stuff I play is a sequel of some sort or a remake. Usually, usually more along the lines of a sequel. I think the things that, that draw us to gaming, and I, I'm saying this very generally, are not the, the focal points that are today. I think gaming, t- I think a lot of the newer genres that are coming out are set up to be to, for a target audience that just doesn't reach us. And that's not necessarily a criticism. It's like one way is better than the other, but it's just something that I've noticed. I think there are, are certain aspects of games today that a lot of people appreciate that I just really don't care about. Yeah. Um, we, we talk about graphics all the time. Like Graphics, I could give two shits about graphics, right? At the end of the day, if the gameplay is there, if the story is there and the music is there, right. you know, you could be doing stick figures and I'm cool with it as long as it's kind of a unique unique take on it. So, where it's just graphics today, you know, people always talk about, oh, look how realistic it looks. The last thing I want when I'm playing games is to think about reality. So, it's like, why the hell would I want it to look like reality? Yeah, give that's me a something good point. that looks like, I really, really fucked up and demented. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. All right, he says, all I want is Diablo 2 Remaster. Uh, okay, I lied. Paper Mario, Origami King. My yep. top five franchises with the most consistent quality in no specific order. One, Mega Man. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. All of them. Consistently challenging, goddamn. Oh, shit, yeah. All of them from NES to Game Boy Advance. They just keep adding cool stuff as they go. I remember the first time... I saw Proto Man. He was so badass looking. Don't even get me started the first time I saw Zero. Holy shit. Number oh, yeah. two, 
Resident Evil series. Okay, five and six started going downhill. We all love Resident Resident Evil because the survival horror aspect, but these games just make the character you play a hero. Blah. Just make the character you play a hero. Blah. It took me four years to finally work up the courage to beat the seventh entry. Yeah, seven's supposed to be pretty scary. Uh, But yeah, I haven't played enough Resident Evils to uh, make a claim on that one, so I I can't say... Number three, Super Smash Brothers. Okay, that's a good that was one. on my list as well. That's a good call out. Yeah, he says your favorite Fire Emblem characters beating each other up. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, Quake. This one is really nostalgic for me. It's one of the first games I pulled an all-nighter with. My older brother had Game Spy set up and a Team Fortress Quake mod. I was addicted. Everyone I ever talked to don't believe me when I tell them Team Fortress came from Quake and not Half-Life. Uh, the, latest, the latest entry, Quake Champions, was pretty fun for a while, but as most modern games, the community died within a few months. Number five, Diablo. That's a really good... Sorry. That is also something I've noticed as well. It, it, it's like every game has the biggest hype campaign behind it, and then it gets released. It, it's a good game. It wasn't exactly what people expected. There's some systematic issues or whatever it is with you. But generally, yeah, that is a very true statement. The communities within games today seem to die so fast. Like three to six months is is pretty good yeah. in today's standards, I feel like. Yeah. Sorry. That's, that's a good call out. Um, and number five, Diablo... What, you all have phones, don't you? God, the meme, please. (laughs) So true. That's all from me. Thanks for taking the time to read this. I'm looking forward to writing some more now that I'm up to date. If you let me back, keep it up. We'll see. Thank you, Will. (laughs) 50-50. We appreciate it. All right, the last one. I think you know know who. Mr. Chase the Connect Cleaner. Yep, here you go, Jay. Uh, I go by Jay. Yeah. Uh, Chase says, Hello, gentlemen. Chase the Night Cleaner with another email filling up that inbox. Oh, baby. Don't know how to speak to me. Uh, how's it going today? How are you both? I'm good. doing good. Um, Robert and I, thank you again for your flexibility. Robert delayed our podcast from Tuesday to Thursday, or do- Tuesday to Saturday because my job is insane right now. So today is, is a, I feel much more relaxed than I generally do in the podcast. Usually That's I'm good. feeling much more pressured to be done early just because I want to go to bed at a reasonable time. So tonight it's like, it's 10 p.m. and I don't really give a shit. I don't have to do anything else tonight. So I'm um, feeling very relaxed right now. So Nice. You, Rob? Good. I'm good. Good. Uh, Chase goes on to say, so I know this podcast is very much about classic games these days. Oh, excuse me. Classic classic gaming and these days a big part of play. I was like, yeah, of course it's a big part of the podcast. What are you talking about? Uh, Good observation. The, yeah, thanks. Uh, and these days a big part of playing classic games is how and what you play them on. Microsoft is publishing for their new console, pushing. the X series. Goddamn, that's stupid title. Oh, pushing. Excuse me. Thank you. Pushing for the new console, the X series or whatever, that title is just atrocious. It's uh, with the approach that they will be, they will respect your past digital purchases, carrying them forward into the next generation, and if not at all of of last generations many, library, many if not to all of last generations oh. library. Thank you. Will be going on my brain to play. I think I'm, I think I'm having a stroke. You might be. Um. If not, all last generations library will be available to play p- potentially at launch with additional reverse ca- capability or compatibility. Excuse me, uh, going back as far as the 360 and OG Xbox. Yeah, this is, that's something that that I was kind of wondering as well. Lisa and I've talked about that with um, 
with like the Switch, right? Because they did a they did a bunch of new releases for some classic titles. Um, we, we we bought stuff for the Wii U, and that stuff's not transferable. You have to buy a, a new one for for the yeah. Switch. And that is something that's kind of frustrating because it's like, dog, you already got my money for, for right. you know, this classic game. And yeah, no, that's a good call out. Any, any, no, I mean, say about the rub? no, okay. I agree. Um, I'm betting some of those features are gimmicks built into Game Pass, the paid subscription that is Microsoft's version of Netflix for gaming that gives you access to hundreds, if not thousands of games each month for a set fee. I actually know a couple people that have been using this and I've, I've been researching myself. It actually seems like a pretty de- decent deal. Like, I've I'm heard not a big good fan of about it. Okay, I'm glad you have too. It's like, I'm not a big fan of these things and generally I probably won't get it unless my friends have it and there's some there's some uh, multiplayer games we want to play but i mean it the the library that's available is pretty hefty it's pretty strong it's it's some some newer titles that are well received along with a lot of the classics you want to play so i'm pretty impressed and the cost isn't bad i think it's five five or six dollars a month correct oh wrong, wow that's, okay no i don't i'm not sure but I'm, be, I'm pretty sure it's it's that that minimal i could be wrong even, even if it was 10 or 15 like that wouldn't be all that bad to me with the the, the library that it's available for it so um chase goes on to say but this is all speculation on my end the next generation of consoles both ps5 and new xbox x series will at least be able to play this current generation's games according to the releases so far uh chase goes on to say so now for my question of the day how much do you care about reverse compatibility i mean for somebody who uh, for for me rob i when i go back when i think about there are certain games on certain consoles that i wish i could go back and play i actually really appreciate reverse compatibility especially if it's easy if it's cost efficient and especially it's like once you buy an ip or you, you or excuse me once you buy a title generally i kind of want to own that right like that was my biggest complaint with itunes it was like if itunes ever dies i spent you know if i spent 300 dollars on music it's just gone so it's like yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm a big fan of reverse compatibility, especially if it's one centralized account that could access titles going back for, for quite a while. I think reverse compel- compatibility is, is awesome. I think, I mean, I don't know how hard it is to do that. Um, I imagine it's probably a lot harder than, than a lot of people probably think it is. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people just get very angry sometimes that things aren't reverse compatible. And, Okay, yeah, maybe it should be. Maybe there's like a middle ground here. Maybe like sometimes the the publishers of the consoles haven't been trying hard enough to make things reverse compatible. But at the same time, it takes work to do this. So, you know, uh, like I said. And they're a business. Yeah, right? and they're a business. Yeah, but, um, to you know, if and, you know, when, if and when that is plausible to put into your console... I think it's uh, I think it's an awesome thing. I think it you should I think they should definitely be doing it uh, for for the reasons you said. You know when with you bought all this stuff on the Wii U digital stuff, and now it's like oh yeah okay you got it on, on the Wii can't. U. Here's a Switch, but you can't have that. You know you still got your Wii U right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think reverse compatibility. I really strongly think that they should do that whenever it's again plausible. For them yeah, to do feasible. so, yes. Yeah. Um, for me personally, I don't really buy enough new consoles to have a very strong feeling about it. Would it be it. a selling point for you? Because that's the way I'm looking at it. That's a really good question. Um, I'm a very. If you saw that, would that be a plus to you? My yes, it would be a plus. No, you know, no doubt about it. But 
my real answer is I think I'm the wrong person to ask because I am an, I think I'm a, a unique case where I prefer to just buy the original console and play it on that. Even if okay. I have access to the new one, um, I just like having the old consoles kind of pseudo from a pseudo collector standpoint. I like, I, just I, like, I can understand that. Yeah. I like having the old one. So even if it said, you know, even if I got a, you know, okay. So the, the only Xbox generation I've ever owned is the original. If they said, all right, here's Xbox series X and you can play Xbox 360 and Xbox one stuff on it. So you can buy all, all those games and try them out and you don't have to have the originals. Yes, that would be awesome. But at the same time, I would probably just would rather kind of buy the originals just so I could have those and see what the consoles themselves were like and have the consoles and stuff. So I'm, I'm the wrong person to ask, but yes, I, no one's going to say no one doesn't want reverse compatibility. You know, that's, that's no matter who you are, that's a positive in in any way. Um, I'm sure the people that don't really care, they're just like, okay, whatever. Like I I know people that once they're done with the game, they don't go back to it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Plenty of people don't care. But that's the farthest extreme that it goes. Nobody yeah. thinks it's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of. I think I'm starting to kind of ramble now. But I think okay. it's uh for for in for most cases, yeah, it's definitely a solid selling point. And even for somebody like me who do, who does like to have the old stuff, it, it would be kind of a jumping off point. Like, oh, maybe I'll tr- maybe I'll buy this new one and try a couple of these old games. See if it would be worth going back and buying one of those old consoles. You yeah. know. Something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really good. But for me personally, I'm a very unique case where it doesn't matter as much. You are a unique case, Rob. <laughs> don't mean what to toot the old, my own horn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chase goes on to say, is this a feature you care about? And do you like having digital libraries that are linked to accounts that don't disappear each generation? Yeah, I mean, for me, so, uh, I, I'm again, Robert and I are not not consumers of every single new console. The Switch is the first console that I purchased in many years. And let me clarify, the Switch U that I, or the Switch U. You switched the, wait, the Wii U. Switch <laughs> you U. Switch. The Wii U that I have is not mine. It's it's actually Hunter's. He just left it here and I ended up buying some games for it because it's he basically told me it's like you can have it at this point. So the last uh, the, the last console that I bought, yeah, I mean it's whatever. It's it's a paperweight for us right now. Um, the, last, the most recent console I bought was a Wii. Oh my God, a Switch. <laughs> Prior to that, um, I can't even tell you. It's been it's been so many years since I've purchased a console. So, um, <laughs> we got through that. Since <laughs> yeah, we made it. Chase, my, my, I'm just like dying. My brain is is starting to slow down. Uh, Chase goes on to say, reverse compatibility was one of the reasons I bought a PS2 at release. That and it was a DVD player. Totally, I'm on board with that. Uh, and that was a freaking PS2. Uh, and being able to play all, all all of my old PS1 games on that machine was a big deal for me. These days, account-based linking linking seems to be the best way to carry the games you buy. I own dozens of games on GOG and over hundreds on Steam, and some of those purchases are as old as the platforms themselves. And that's it for me, gentlemen. This email was down to the wire, so who knows <laughs> if I even got it in before the show. Thanks, as always, for what, what you do said. and and for this little piece of your podcast, cheers and talk again soon, Chase and I. Thank you, Chase. Thanks, Chase. Yeah, uh, this to kind of go back to the digital stuff and all that. That's why I buy from GOG whenever possible because you yep. you actually own it. You can download the installation files 
And, uh, and they're a great company. And they're a great company. And you don't have to worry about, oh, shit, are their servers going to go down and I'm never going to get access to this stuff someday. All right. Meanwhile, every other provider, it's like, I want to uninstall this game. I want to play this game. Hey, please open up our web browser, or excuse me, our little application <laughs> we installed there. Yeah, that one. If that's not open, you can't play the game. Sorry. Yeah, fuck that. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, uh, current gaming subcast. Modern, current stuff that you've been playing. Anything you want to mention real quick, Jay? No, actually, I haven't really been playing anything anything uh, recent at this point. Um, I played a little bit of Valorant, which I talked about, which is fun. Not really my style. Uh, Overwatch meets CSGO. Not a huge FPS person, but I've been playing it since my friends have been playing it. Um, I think that's probably everything. Honestly, I, I haven't really played too much else. Okay, I've been playing. I'm still pushing through on Final Fantasy VII Remake. Still tons of fun. Oh, yeah. I, I, just, just, I just don't get a ton of time uh, to play it. I'm about... I think about 20 hours in right now. So, uh, yeah, it's going really well. Still really like it. And I'll talk about it more when I finish it. Played, I uh, started playing XCOM 2 a little bit. It's uh, really fun. I'm surprised at how similar it is to XCOM 1. I thought it was going to be... Ma- I don't know why, but I thought maybe it would be slightly easier because XCOM 1 was just kind of brutal on difficulty. Mm-hmm. And this one's pretty brutal as well. So, uh, nothing Funny. has changed on that front. On that front but it's still... It's, it's a really fun game. Uh, Civ Six. I'm still playing a shitload Ooh, of that. Robert. <laughs> I can't get over. I can't. I just. It's so much fun. I am just absolutely hooked on it. This is my new, uh, non-classic gaming addiction. I uh, I ju- just yesterday or was it today? It was either. I think it was. Oh shit! It was either yesterday or today. I just finished one long ass playthrough where I actually ended up winning. This is my second. Well. Second and a half. My first one, my first playthrough died because my laptop died and it was on there. Then I did uh, another playthrough as Japan and I got pretty close to winning, but I ended up, uh, somebody else got a different kind of victory before I was able to win. Then I started a third game. Probably took me about 30 hours on this one game. Uh, that's a that's a very rough estimate, but uh, it, it was long as hell. And this time I decided to go for... it. Was, this game's so much fun. I decided to go for a religious victory this time. Because usually usually I play kind of more scientific or cultural and things like that. I usually don't like to go all in military because that just seems really basic. So usually I'll try to get a tech victory of some sort. But this time I was... I had never even built a religious unit in the Civ games before. And, uh, and it's not anything that I ever paid much attention to. So just to kind of explore that facet of, of the game. I said, okay, I'm going up for a religious victory this time. And I cranked up the difficulty just one notch above what I had been playing. And I ended up winning. So that was tons of fun. Um, yeah, it was cool. So I played as Arabia and they get a couple good religious bonuses. And then when you create your country, your nation's uh, or your civilization's religion, it's all, it's funny, they use the names of real religions, but all your beliefs are totally just whatever you want them to be. <laughs> and so I was playing as Arabia, and Taoism was my religion, and uh, rainforests were very important to us. I got to choose that. I chose that because there were a lot of rainforests nearby my civilization, and with that particular belief, uh, any rainforest that's adjacent to your to like your holy center your holy district 
is uh, what? Sorry, <laughs> holy center, huh? Yeah, <laughs> you have like districts in Civ Six, and uh-huh. uh, one of them is your holy district, and you—that's where your yeah. whole, that's where your holy buildings go. Every um, rainforest that's adjacent gives you a bonus. So I would build them in the middle of rainforests and just get the max bonus that possible. And then I I would you only pick uh, religious beliefs that amplified just <laughs> instead of saying oh for per religion you get this much science or cultural points. Instead of doing that, I just only pick stuff that added more <laughs> religion. So it was like oh pilgrimages are very important to you blah 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 this this and that. Um, and then for cultural policies, I went all out on religion too. So it was, so not only did I have uh, places surrounded by uh, by rainforests that boosted my religion crazily, then I added plus one hundred percent modifiers to all <laughs> religious modifiers. So I was just getting religious points out the ass, and the way and and so. Because I was focusing so much on religion, I couldn't do as much with military or I kind of science was kind of my secondary thing. But luckily, the place I ended up, I did a totally random style map. And the place that I ended up, um, the area that I ended up spawning on only had two very small entrances to this particular area. So I was able to defend them really easily. So I just put up kind of fort-like areas there, got a couple units to kind of just guard these little entrances, and then just maxed out religion as much as I could. Um, eventually I had to kind of, I did have to expand on other continents because I ran out of space, but that nobody was going to the continents that I was going to. So because they were not really good ones, they were in the far north and south poles. But, but I still got some benefit from going there, so that was okay. And then I just started, once I got far enough to where I could start doing this, I started creating uh, apostles, which are kind of like the main, they're kind of like offensive uh, religious units. So religious units can't get in, like your military can't attack a religious unit, for instance. Only religious units can attack other religious units. And they don't really technically fight. What they do is they basically argue with each other. And they have the same thing. It's like they have hit points, but it's all kind of their belief, more or less. The like canonicity. It's kind of like they're just arguing, and when one of their beliefs gets down enough, then they kind of vanish. It's like oh, they got turned away from their religion, and they, you know, aren't going to be your apostle. They're not going to proselytize for you anymore. So, religious units can only fight other religious units. I had a hundred times more religious units than any other, than any other civilization did. So I was just sweeping the map, just covering places with these religious units. Whenever they'd produce one, I would just swarm them with five of mine and argue with them until they, until they were, you know, quote killed and went away. And you can use your religious units to spread religion directly to other cities and then also when they uh, defeat another religious unit in battle, then that causes their religion to go down and your religion to go up wherever that happened. So I was just completely dominating. So all I had to worry about was <laughs> all I had to worry about was making sure one that I wasn't ever weak enough to where somebody else could just conquer me. Um, so I had, so I did just enough to keep people staved off to where they wouldn't try to fight me just because they could. Uh, that did happen a couple times early game, but I was able to like just hold them off well enough, and then uh, and that was pretty much it. Then just keep out pumping, just keep pumping out religious units like crazy until I finally just like owned everybody. 
it was uh, tons of fun because, like, I was next to the Ottomans, which are a very war-hungry civilization. So I was always, like, worried, like, are they just going to be able to stomp me at some point? But luckily they weren't at some point. At, you know, once it got into kind of like the industrial area era, I started having to really beef up my Navy because that's when people start getting ships and they could come and attack me from, you know, from the ocean. So there's two little land points that, that come into my country. They weren't the only places that I could get attacked from. So I had to really have a strong Navy so nobody could attack me from the water. So that was when I had to really start building that out. And, uh, oh man, it was just, the whole thing is just, was just so much fun. I will say that going for religious victory in that game does eventually get a bit tiresome because I had so many, uh, religious units. I had so many apostles out on the map that it took forever to do like a single turn because I had sometimes 20 or 30 guys that I'd have to give orders to. And you can tell them, you can give them like a sleep command, which is, where it doesn't cue you up to say, uh, oh, give this unit an order. And you can do that for some of them, but at the same time, if you do that, then you can't see if other units are getting nearby them and are about to attack them. So it's kind of risky to do that. So uh, you really just have to just keep going through and giving all these minute little commands to all your all of your dozens of apostles, uh, which does make the game take quite a while. So that got a little bit tedious, but overall, it was super fun. And I will probably just start up another game soon and go for a, another kind of victory shortly. I just randomly got hooked on this game, as you know, the last episode, and I'm absolutely loving it. It's fun. I recommend it. Glad to hear. Okay, that's it for current gaming subcast. Quick reminder, um, our next episode is Game of the Quarter. We're going to be playing Beautiful Joe. Excuse me. Write in your thoughts on that if you want to, or your uh, thoughts on top five most inconsistent game franchises, or on any other thoughts that you want to write in about. Mail at ClassicGamingPodcast.com. Or just say hi. Or just say hi. Uh, Leave us amazing reviews on iTunes. Tell all your friends about us. We are a member of the HP Video Game Podcast Network. Go check out some of their awesome stuff. There There are other really good podcasts on our network. Follow us on Twitter at ClassGamesCast. You can follow me. I'm at King Octavius. I'm still doing video game music covers. What was the last one I did? I did. Bring that uh, up, by the way. That's so cool. I saw a bunch of the stuff you've been doing. Oh, did you check some of the? Oh yeah, I saw that you watched the Loom one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was my last one. Was Loom? That one. That was a really. I, I really like that song. That was a. It's one of those ones that wasn't super hard to do, but I just loved the music of it. So, uh, it, yeah, I that one. It. That one was fun. Um, Jay, where can people find you now on, on Twitter? I'm going to change my handle here, but right now it's uh, at jmorrowpro. I okay. want to change it. I just, I just haven't done it yet. I'm just, I need to update my photo as well because that photo is like 10 years old. But um, yeah, feel free if you guys have any questions or if there are certain things you'd love to hear about, um, feel free to, to follow me or tweet at me. I'd be happy to address. Awesome. Um, and that's it. Uh, we will be back. Let's see. Probably... A tentatively, let's see, this is one June sixteenth. I think will be our next episode. So that's when the beautiful. That's when you need to have your beautiful Joe thoughts in by if you want to take part yep. in that. And um, I guess that's it. We'll see you then. Um, Jay, anything I'm leaving out? No, I think you covered everything. All right, thank you all for listening very much. We'll see you all in three weeks. Thank you for listening.